0: You want to be making moves on the street, have no attachments, allow nothing to be in your life that you cannot walk out on in 30 seconds flat if you spot the heat around the corner. He's here.
1: I can feel it. A driven detective.
0: You search for the scent of your prey, and then you hunt them down. That's the only thing you're committed to.
1: It keeps me sharp on the edge where I gotta be. A professional thief bank is worth the risk. What's the estimate? 12200000 million. You're on. On the streets of Los Angeles. I want full surveillance. Round the
0: clock, we never
1: close open seven days a week. You're
0: fugitive number one with a bullet. It's double the risk here. You're wrong. It's four times the risk, and I'm double the worst trouble you ever had.
1: You recognize the M.O.? M.O. is that they're good. If you think these guys are scoring once and passing through, I doubt it. Assume they got our phones, assume they got our houses, assume they got us. If I'm there and I got to put you away, I won't like it. But I'll tell you, you are going down.
0: What if you do got me boxed in and I got to put you down? Because no matter what, you will not get in my way. I will not hesitate for a second. Al Pacino, Robert De Niro... Val Kilmer in a Michael Mann film. Whatever
1: score they're going to take next, they're going to have the surprise of a lifetime.
0: guys it's been a minute since uh since we've been together uh, i'm so excited to be back with you welcome to a brand new episode of reconcinimation i'm your host john diner
2: i'm david munchak
1: i'm brent hutchins
0: and this is the podcast that takes a look back at some of our favorite films from the 70s 80s and 90s and yes it's a huge episode we are looking at michael mann's heat yeah. heat heat Q.
1: The heat is on. Wait, no, sorry, <laughs> that's wrong. That's, that's so actually
0: wrong. what we're talking about. Just the song, yeah. and uh, <laughs> but this is this is like in, at least in our lifetime, this is generally considered an all-time great. I have seen people's opinions kind of vary as time goes on as time has gone on as well. Really, that some people who loved it just kind of don't love it anymore, and we'll talk about where where each of us stand on it but uh certainly so why did we end up choosing this film now how did we get here um originally we had manhunter slotted in here oh yes we did which which that's true which is yes another michael mann film one of his best and one i've been wanting to cover for a long time but is it along- your favorite Sorry, I'm gonna derail for a second. That's, that's, is that your a, favorite? That's a question. That's a legit question because wow. my favorite tends to vary depending on which one I've seen most recently between Understood. Got it. Thief, Manhunter, and and Heat. So and, and Heat I've yeah. been actually up and down on as far as far as yeah. it being my favorite, but
2: it's like the Ghoulies franchise.
0: The yeah, one you sound the like, latest yeah this is your favorite exactly right now it's three but there's not it's... a bad one
1: in the bunch <laughs> <laughs> exactly but although uh, i do like
0: the toilet scene in part two that's probably my favorite it's topic. kind of the best our, our good friend part two? Uh, I, think I think that's part two. i think that's two isn't it isn't three where they go to college
2: I'm, I'm, sure. I'm I, sure. I think it is. what are, what are the sure. ghoulies getting up to in part three <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> it might Unfortunately, be for- I
2: didn't
1: research that this week. Goolies go uh, to college as
0: part yeah. three, yeah. It might be time for Ghoulies four host yeah. grads. Yeah. That's um, right. <laughs> <laughs> the reunion. But uh <laughs> we were gonna be talking about Manhunter this week, but sadly, uh a few weeks ago we lost uh the great Tom Sizemore mm. and that triggered some conversation and we opted to switch over to heat so staying in the michael mann world but looking at one of tom sizemore's greatest performances and one of his biggest probably one of the top two biggest films that he's done
1: (laughs) well you know for me the action is the juice
0: but let's take a minute here in the beginning um let's talk about tom sizemore um Personally, obviously, he's had a lot of issues, a lot of problems along the way. So, I'm not really going to concentrate on Tom as a human because there were clearly a lot of issues. He had a lot of personal problems and, um, you know, negative things kind of all over the place, especially since 2003, maybe 2002. Mm -hmm. Um, not, not, uh, you know, not a lot of good things there. I think he was trying to pull the nose up at the end, but, um, but I, want to talk about him as a performer and, you know, I think all of us really, really, really loved his, a lot of his performances in the earlier part of his career. Um, what do you guys think? Where do you guys, uh, where are you on Tom Sizemore as a, as an actor?
2: I'm probably I've probably seen the fewest of his roles if I'm a if I'm a betting man compared to to Brent, um, but uh, you know I've always enjoyed everything. He stands out for me from uh, Saving Private Ryan. That was sort of like probably where I, I'm like, oh that guy, that guy's great. I know that guy, um, but I wasn't even sure where, you know, if I was just just knowing him or just knowing he was around, but not knowing where from. So, um. Oh and I remember from from passenger 57. He was getting, There you <laughs> go. Good, good Wesley one. David. Snipes. So yeah, actually I, yeah. I knew that's probably where I knew him from. He was pop he was popping up uh, cuz I never finished Natural Born Killers. Never got to the end of that movie. Couldn't couldn't, couldn't quite stomach the rest of that movie.
0: I am not surprised to hear that. That is uh <laughs> I can I can't really watch. I've watched it, you know, three or four times over my life and I I think I maxed out on it. Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: so, but yeah, I mean, so yeah, I guess he's, he's always been this guy that's been around and, uh, you know, in like really key, key parts and and lots of different
0: films. Yeah. He was a big part of the, the really like the mid to late nineties and going into the early two thousands before his career kind of, uh, I think his personal life and his career really kind of derailed, but a lot of good movies and some great ones too. And I think his career was really on its way up still when, uh, when it sidetracked, but had he stayed on the right path, I think like he really, to me, he had, to me, he had like a Steve McQueen level of like cool. Like he had a, he had a real persona and he had, he was a good actor. He could play, you know, a whole wide variety of roles. He could play the crazy bad guy, but he could also play like, the lovable kind of, you know, right hand man, whether it's to to Robert De Niro in Heat or to Tom Hanks in Private Ryan, but a lot of great roles along the way. Brent, where where do you stand on Tom?
1: You know, it's interesting researching for the podcast. Uh, he's been in a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of of things. The majority of which I have not ever seen or even really heard of, but. He has been in a handful of movies that came out, you know, while I was in high school and were very instrumental in part of my love of film and things like that. So he stands out as like this huge kind of figure in, in like kind of my movie history. So I appreciate those movies that he's been. I mean, I know you guys were joking about Natural Born Killers. And yes, I think on a rewatch nowadays, that would be a tough one to really kind of grind through. But man, I saw that movie a bunch when I was younger. I liked it a lot just because it was so gratuitous and out there. And it had, you know, Oliver Stone attached, it had Quentin Tarantino attached as a writer. And it was right when Tarantino was like, you know, if you were into film it wasn't really before Tarantino fully exploded but if you were into film and had been influenced by Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs like you were aware that Tarantino was part partly doing the writing on this and and for that fact alone at that specific time in my life I was like yeah I'm about this because it's gonna be pushing the limits but on top of that I mean Saving Private Ryan's one of my favorite movies Heat you know I think is arguably one of the best like heist movies that there is and there's a lot of great ones and and it would be easy to argue any one of those but this one I think is like really really significant you know and, and then there's a lot of movies that he did that he was like tiny roles didn't even have credits in but I still loved like Point Break you know things Blue like Steel. that Blue Steel Blue Steel. Yeah. Blue Steel's on my list. Uh, But like True Romance, you know, is another one that we've talked about that's kind of with that in that same vein of that Tarantino inspired um, kind of the Tarantino inspired films that he was kind of a part of in in the 90s that, you know, were super influential with me wanting to be a filmmaker and really like taking the next step to go to film school and things like that. And so Um, so in that regard, like, I mean, he's larger than life, right? Like, I mean, he, he is like one of the, like recognizable figures from my childhood, as far as like movies that, that influenced me at that time period. So, uh, I appreciate him for that. Obviously. Yeah. Like you were saying, he's got a lot of personal, he had a lot of personal issues and a lot of things going on that were, you know, terrible and in no way can you support or get behind and, and. I'm glad you say at the end he was trying to kind of get his life straight. And it's too bad that he passed away before he could really do that. But, but, uh, but I mean, at the time in the 90s, for sure, like this guy was a big deal for, for me.
0: Yeah. He was uh, for, for me in the, you know, probably 96, 97 zone, he was in my four horsemen of actors, which comprised of Mr. Sizemore, Mr. Michael Madsen. Chris Penn and Michael Bean. Those if like I could have
1: three of those guys are all the same guy. Like, <laughs> like three of them are all the same guy. Uh,
0: and, you know, if, if I could Rourke. have had a movie, like, <laughs> exactly. My, right? my, my post Tarantino, you know, like, dream movie was like, like the four of those guys were like an elite squad of like the, the magnificent
1: top cops. seven with yeah. them. Like, that's. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, that would have been my my dream movie with Michael Bean as the leader, but um, of course, yeah. I uh, Sizemore was like one. of He was my in my top four. I loved the guy for so long, and you know whether it was I think the first time I saw him, like you said, David, Passenger Fifty Seven was where he jumped out. He's like the he's like Wesley Snipes like cop friend who's like on the ground talking to him. I think I haven't seen the movie since ninety four, maybe. But. Yeah, he's
1: he's he's like Bruce Willis's Al
0: yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah. um Mm -hmm. but yeah true romance um natural born killers and so he's in both like you said brent both tarantino kind of related movies but not yeah and they're in the tarantino cinematic universe right exactly they're like
1: they're not they're not exactly tarantino but they're influenced
0: yeah right so yeah and they're characters like that exist in that world but uh yeah, but yeah I think he's the only person who's in both of them and yeah. um you know heat was it like I thought he was the coolest guy in in heat like he's just that 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 shot that's a famous shot now where they're in the diner and he just lean like there's a guy observing what they're doing and he just leans over and gives them that stare like yeah it's, it's such a great look and uh, you don't want
1: to look over here
0: yeah <laughs> and we'll talk about Tom in, in heat but the relic. I mean, that was his leading, you know, his shot at, at a leading role. And it's not the greatest movie, but, you know, he's good in it. And I think, um, you know, following that up with Private Ryan, and he's working with Steven Spielberg and, mm-hmm. and Tom Hanks, and he's hitting such a high level at the same time that as his career is going up, he's having, you know, the drugs are starting to take over and be more and more of a problem to the point that Robert De Niro and Steven Spielberg personally showed up at his door and took him to rehab for, I think the first time and wow. De Niro later took him again, uh, towards, towards the end of his life, took him personally a second, or I don't know what time that was, but, yeah. um, so, you know, he had a lot of powerful friends that were really trying to, to, to help him. Um, and it's, it's really, uh, unfortunate, but I remember a show robbery homicide division, which was, briefly on the air was a cbs show but it was also a michael mann produced show and he was the star and it was like it felt like it could be 2000 the 2000s la version of miami vice and uh i think between you know man the way man wanted to do the show and tom's problems at the time it was it was not not going to work out and you know and then he spent the second half of his career really just doing a lot of B and C and D level movies that you know I don't think too many people saw straight to video kind of stuff, um, but we did see him return in the third season of Twin Peaks, which was very cool to see him pop up there. Uh, didn't love that season, but um, you know again he's, good to see him there. He's
1: he's apparently in um, the n- next season of. Cobra Kai, Cobra yeah, he's Kai in an, yeah. yeah he's in an episode of Cobra Kai I,
0: I did hear that I don't know if those were actually filmed or not I think he was it, there's. I've heard two stories oh, one that he was okay. cast but wasn't filmed hadn't been you know, filmed yet so Got it. Um, we'll see if that actually we'll see when it comes out but uh, the other movie I want to throw out there is Wyatt Earp which we covered here yeah. uh, you can check it out at the archives reconsinimation.com uh, where you can find both True Romance and White Herp. but uh, yeah, yeah, White, he Earp's played...
1: on, White Earp's on my list. But uh, Tombstone—I'm more a Tombstone guy. But, uh, uh... It's
0: one or the other, yeah. But <laughs> but he plays Bat Masterson, and uh, you know it's a smaller part in that film. But there he is, right on screen with Michael Madsen. So my dream was partially coming true there. That's true, wow. <laughs> so yeah. he, he worked with Madsen and Penn, but I don't think we saw Michael Bean Sizemore no. team up.
1: Bean was in Tombstone. That's the, I know. So he was in the it other was, one.
0: Yeah. It's, they all got divided on that you one. You needed so. the mashup. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, uh, so rest in peace, Tom Sizemore. I hope you, you know, I hope he is able to find, you know, the piece that he did not have in, in life. But um, so we're going to look at heat and sort of an homage to him, but also, one of our next Michael Mann films and one of the biggest movies of our, you know, our nineties. So,
1: well, I am over fucking well. What do you want for that? A junior G man badge.
0: Have we Let's, done Michael
1: Mann films on the is
0: prior what, what to you, Brent's arrival on the show? Uh, we, David and I looked back at he had a thief, which you can find in the archives right. as okay. well. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we talked about the kind of early side of Michael Mann's career and, and his rise through, uh, you know, TV writing, and how he came to that film, and we'll talk kind of that journey from Thief to Heat uh, here. So, but Brent, where are we? We're uh, December nineteen ninety five. What's the state of of the the world, oh, the cinematic world at that point?
1: The cinematic world, or the world in general? World I in general. Let's find the world in general. There's a couple things that went on in 95 that were kind of big news. You know, O.J. Simpson trial, he was uh he, he, that came to its finality in October of 95 uh, with his not guilty verdict. And then uh I think cinematically the biggest one that I that I take away from cuz it's affected my life uh 100% is uh in um November of 95 in New York City was the premiere of the first fully CG animated film Anybody want to take any guesses? Did not to- Shark Tale But Toy I know Story? that's a fave That's right, Toy Story mm-hmm. So uh, Toy Story premiered in New York In uh, November of 95 And then Basically opened the door for CG animated movies Forever So And uh, Pixar are
0: splashed onto the uh Onto the, onto world. the scene, that's yeah. right
1: uh, So uh, that's pretty cool Go ahead.
0: Also,
2: 1995. This person with a lot of friends starred in a movie with a chimpanzee. Any guesses?
0: Are you talking about? Is it Ed? I is think that the Ed. name of the movie. I think
2: it's Ed. <laughs> is it Matt Ed? LeBlanc.
0: Matt LeBlanc.
1: <laughs> that's awesome.
2: <laughs> I'm not sure if that's
1: true, uh, but uh, how could one forget? Yes.
0: Did you? Did anybody see it? I didn't see it. There were three people that saw it. Can you? Can you name all three? <laughs> I don't uh, think point. any
1: of them are here.
0: <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh,
1: let's see. What else? Oh, the last original comic strip published by Bill Watterson, uh, his last strip of Calvin and Hobbes came out in, mm. in December of of 95 as well. So, yeah. And there's a ton of other things that happened in 95 that were big, big deals, but uh, I'm just kind of focusing on yeah, things just that happened towards the tail end of that. Get,
0: get us there. Get us, and Get you know. Was that uh was that the Houston Rockets were they still uh winning yeah. NBA championships Champions,
1: championship years for the Rockets and all sorts of stuff. So That was uh,
0: that was during the Michael Jordan break. Yeah. We don't need to talk
1: about that. It was during <laughs> the Hakeem Olajuwon takeover. That's True. what that's what we should
0: That emphasize was a, that, as. that was a team. Robert Ori, right? Yeah, Ori yeah. was on there. Yeah.
1: Clyde Drexler
0: yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Going right back to 95. Uh, David, why don't you uh, run it down? What is happening in the Michael Mann film Heat?
2: Oh, um, well, Robert De Niro plays Neil McCulley, who is a career criminal who is put on the radar of detective Vincent Hanna, played by Al Pacino. Uh, After a high-profile bank robbery ends with uh, the death of a few security guards. And Pacino and De Niro's characters explore their identities, you know, as either the cop or the robber. Uh, And, you know, the exploration of the sacrifice of not having a quote-unquote normal life. Um, And we follow their cat-and-mouse game in the streets of Los Angeles. So can Pacino... Catch De Niro and his gang of robbers before they make one big score and slip <laughs> away for good. Is the that question? That's it, the question. Can, can that's they? The, that's the big. That's the big question. We don't know. You got to watch to find out.
1: It's worth the watch.
0: This is one of the biggest movies of our. I, I'm maybe I'm exaggerating, Jesus but I feel Christ, like really? this is one of the biggest movies of our upbringing. I mean, at the well, time,
1: I'll, I'll can I. J- I don't disagree with that. And I think it's, yeah, and we're, I know we're going to talk more about this. It's in the notes, but like, it's the coming together of Al Pacino and Robert De Niro that made this thing like bigger than anything at the time. Cause they're huge, huge actors. In they the were 90s. the two,
0: the two, I mean, at the time, they were considered the two greatest living actors.
1: Right. And they had never been right on camera together. They've been in, movies they've been in movies together but it not won. together
0: one movie one movie Yeah. One they were movie. in the same movie but never not on screen together yeah,
1: never acting against each other and this was like two powerhouses this was like freaking ali and whoever you know like george foreman like this was of the acting world these two dudes coming together for this movie it was
0: it was a very big deal yeah and and, and- in a movie that had such a great supporting cast, which we'll talk about, but it was like, oh, they're the top, but there's so many other good people oh, like, yeah. right behind them. Oh, 100%. And uh, with one of the, the greatest directors of our you know uh, of our lifetime, really. But, uh, David, when was the first time – what's what's the first time you saw Heat? Do you see it in the theater do you see it later on?
2: I saw it much later on. I remember it being advertised and uh... – I remember, I, I do remember seeing like the, the, I probably, I don't know. Yeah. I, if I saw the trailer before a movie, I'm sure maybe I did, but I remember the ads on TV and Val Kilmer looks super cool. And Val Kilmer is of course in the movie. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, he, and I talked about De Niro and Pacino together and all that stuff. And I was like, Ooh, that looks like a big deal. Um, but I didn't see the movie until about five years ago. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. yeah. All right. Yes. Yeah, so it, uh, It wasn't, you know, I was, I had an awareness of heat, and people talked about heat a lot, but um, no, I never saw it until until recently. Um, To complete the sort of my Michael Mann, you know, I had to watch more. I felt like I needed to be watching more Michael Mann movies. So
1: I do for you, you don't do for me. Is that it?
0: This is true. Yeah. Well, it's cool. So you're going to have the you know more recent perspective on it, and and see how '90s is this movie. But we'll, we'll come back to that.
2: I'm going to I'm going to go woke
0: on it. <laughs> All right, do it. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> don't, don't let it sunset. Don't let it sunset. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, all right, Brent, what about you? When was the first? Do you see heat in the theater? You had to have.
1: I, you know, it feels very much like it's one that I would, but I I honestly, I cannot tell you whether or not I saw it in the theater. I saw it a bunch. I remember I've talked to you guys, I think, before about my buddy Chris Dixon, who's the you know, close friend of mine from high school. I'd go over to his house every day, freshman year. Dude, what up, (laughs) dude? like freshman through junior year like we would just like hang out every day after school and there were a handful of movies that he would like watch on repeat uh point break was one of them for sure uh but this was another one man like this was like one of his favorite movies for a time and we would watch it a lot and you know like especially we'd focus on like the bank scene and and things like that but you know I remember seeing it a ton over there, and then it's just—I just always remember it kind of existing from that point forward. But I don't remember if I saw it in the theater or not. I feel like I didn't, but I just can't you, understand. You would have
0: remembered seeing in the theater. You had I need to, to.
1: I need to reach out to some other old mm-hmm. friends and see if we saw it together. I don't know. My memory gums and goes pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty significantly sometimes. <laughs> but for some reason, I, I can't recall the first time I saw this.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, I remember in '95, my birth around my birthday, Casino had just come out. I, I, you know, Casino and Heat had come out within within a few weeks of each other. They were both in uh, in the theater when I was, you know, my when I was wanting to. Have my birthday party it was like get all my friends together and we're going to see a movie. And I had the choice of Casino or Heat, and I was like, well, definitely Casino because I had. Been on a you know so I, like at that point I just kind of discovered Goodfellas and was really in love with with that and with De Niro and and I Scorsese
1: had, flick yeah
0: I was like oh I'm I'm a hundred percent in for Casino and I didn't see Heat till somewhere in '96 whenever it came out on home video and I rented it pretty quickly and was like. What was I thinking? Like, why, how did I skip this movie? for Because no, I, I do love Casino, but uh, my obsession with heat really kicked in. And I was the same way. I watched it over and over and over. I thought it was the, the coolest movie with the greatest cast. And uh, it was probably my maybe my favorite movie like that and Pulp Fiction were like my favorite movies at that time um but yeah and then you know and then i i loved it all through college like we brent you know back at the college of santa fe we were gonna make heat too cold as ice that was (laughs) that was definitely in the cards um and i think you in my casting you were going to be playing the tom Tom sizemore Sizemore. somehow coming back to life i don't know it wasn't about zombies but um, (laughs) could have been yeah but uh Yeah, loved it, and then you know, like I say a lot here with some with some of these movies that we look back at, I kind of fell out of love with it. Like, at a certain point, it started to feel very '90s to me, very like on the nose and a little too much. And then watching it this time, man, I fell right back in love with it again. Like, what
1: about what about (laughs) it? Other than there not being any cell phones, like, what about it makes it feel?
0: 90s to you, I think uh, you know, for a while I got overwhelmed with the Pacino ness of it. Um, was just you know, his which we'll talk about
1: (laughs) because she got a great ass and you got your head all the way up it.
0: How big he is in this -ah! movie, it's (laughs) legendary, it's almost as much as Scarface, but yeah, I think that at a point I was like, God, this is like it's not even acting like it's just over the topness, which is not how I feel now, but I I went through a phase where I was down on it. We'd (laughs) like to
2: submit the, uh, the goatees of Dennis Haysbert and Robert De Niro as, Super nineties as, as evidence. Okay, <laughs> as fair evidence. Enough. That's wait. What good, are you trying? Good.
0: What are you trying to say, Dave? Yeah.
2: They, they just look. They look like little baby. Like, oh wait. You know what? It's pretty? We need like they got to look a little more cool. Like, what's really Yo, trendy? Let's give them some face. Let's give them a goatee. And <laughs> like, it just does not work.
1: That's so funny. I didn't even register to me when I was watching it. But you're absolutely right. That go, <laughs> those goatees are pretty spot <laughs> on nineties. Like I will, say, I will fair. say. I will say.
0: I like this movie more when it was remade as ambulance. That's right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> no, I kid. But uh, ambulance very much influenced. It's a Michael Bay version of uh, Heat, kind of. So yeah, um, yeah. But again, watching it now, like I, I loved it all over again. Like I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I sort of. I haven't seen it in so long, and it was, it was, uh, there was so much to love here. And seeing again, this cast is incredible and so, so deep. Um, I would say at the moment, this would probably be, this feels like my number two, Michael Mann. I, for me, right now, it feels like Thief, Heat, Manhunter, but all very, very close together. And again, it's something that can, you know, Mm -hmm. if I watch Manhunter tomorrow, very well, that could be number one or two. Mm -hmm. So, um, really love all three of those. Let's talk about Michael Mann. So (laughs) (laughs) Michael Mann, uh, we, you know, again, we talked about his background on, on our Thief episode. Um, you know, huge, huge fans here. It's, he's changed over the years, like most directors who have like a 40 year career will, um, I do feel like at times in some of his recent films, he'll sort of harken back in certain moments and certain shots, like right back to this style and thief. Um, but uh, he was writing, or he was, I think he was directing on Police Story, which was a top show of the 70s where he met Chuck Adamson, who was a technical advisor. Chuck Adamson was a a cop who told, or, you know, former cop who had told, Michael Mann about his real life pursuit of Neil McCauley, who was a criminal on this relationship that they had in the early sixties. And, um, you know, it was a smaller version of what we see in the film, but mm-hmm. it was very much the same kind of dynamic that it was sort of a cat and mouse between these two in the Chicago area. And, you know, Mc, uh, Adamson pulled Macaulay over and they, Went and had coffee, and the diner scene between De Niro and Pacino was almost the exact conversation that they had in real life. Mm-hmm. So, and they had that respect for each other of two of the, you know the best at their their jobs. You know, one was a police officer, one was a thief and uh, a high level thief, and uh, all that got mirrored here uh, in the in reality. The next time they met after the diner meeting was uh, when Macaulay was trying to rob, I believe, a grocery store for about thirteen thousand dollars, and which was a lot of money in in, in the early '60s. Uh, but was confronted by Adamson and his squad, and and it ended up with uh, Macaulay being shot and killed in a in a uh, somebody's front yard a few uh, a few blocks away. So. Um, you know, a lot of this movie is very closely based on that relationship and some of the key moments that happened. Um, so Mann kind of fell in love with this story and wrote the original script way back in 1979 when they were working together. And and Adamson stayed close with Mann and he worked with him on, on as an advisor on Thief. He worked as an advisor on Miami Vice. I think he was the co-creator or one of the writers on Police Story. All of those are Michael Mann's shows. So they kind of worked Police together. Police Story or, cr- or, or Crime sorry, Story? Crime Story, Crime Story, yeah. um, which Dennis Farina was the lead in. And I just watched it, some of it recently. And it's very dated, but kind of if you like Michael Mann, you should definitely check that out. Um, so they worked together for like a decade straight almost. And this you know, story and this script was kind of, simmering there and i think when you know when the time was right michael mann was going to uh was really gonna was gonna make the film finally we get to miami vice winds down crime story winds down it's 1989 and Mann turns this into a television a two-hour television movie that was going to be a pilot for a series called la takedown uh, almost the same thing the way he did Miami Vice that started as a two hour movie that you know formed as the pilot for the series. So, L.A. Takedown, did you can catch this on YouTube the whole the whole yeah. TV movie? Did you guys get a chance to uh, see it at all?
1: I didn't. No, I did. I watched the whole thing. It was like watching Heat all over again, except dated in the eighties. <laughs> yeah it's like heat junior it's well it's kind of crazy actually to think about i mean i don't want to interrupt you but it like it so heat is like a masterclass right but also now i didn't even know la takedown existed until you sent us the link and i was like wait what is this now and i watched it and heat is this incredible incredibly done movie with these insanely powerful performances, but it's like man got a like a tech rehearsal (laughs) for the whole movie by doing it in 89 with LA takedown. So like, honestly, when they came back to do heat, they got some extra money, they got some extra clout, but it was really just a perfect, like kind of instance For them to not worry about actually making the movie because they already did it. They knew how to do it. They were just redoing it. Drop in these phenomenal actors and just let them shine in this like well polished, well oiled filmmaking scenario. Like it's kind of like I have to believe that by doing LA Takedown, it made heat that much better.
0: Right. Like absolutely. Sure. filmmaking experience who gets a practice run at making Crazy. their movie like fully made, fully yeah, funded I mean, shot, made aired, you know, it's like, and it how is many honestly, people have that.
1: Yeah. It's honestly almost shot for shot. Yeah. And, there's, and it's still good. <laughs> like if, it's,
0: it's good. Yeah. If you're a fan of heat and you're a fan of Michael Mann, just check out LA takedown just for, just for interest only. It, it's, you know again it's a television version so the budget's not as big obviously the casting is not as you know as uh as large as as it is in the film and some characters a lot of characters that were flushed out and expanded sure. on for the for the film because this is a you know an hour a 90 minute movie versus a you know two and a half hour movie um but there are definitely Shots that you can tell, like, this is exactly what man envisioned because it's the same in Heat. Right. Like some of the same dialogue, the same ang- shot angles. Uh, but it is, you know, it is it is the lesser version, honestly. Yeah, you yeah. know, the, the diner scene, having the two lead actors who are um, n- nowhere near the level of Robert De Niro and Al Pacino at the time, play that against you know, De Niro and Pacino's version, and it's like, whoa like, Yeah, that
1: that cat and mouse is a lot weaker. Yeah, uh, in in L.A. Takedown, for yeah. sure.
0: But the, but the whole robbery scene is very very close to how it is in the movie, and dude,
1: like um, all my all my favorite scenes from Heat are in this. You know, like yeah. I, like my wow. four. It's crazy. Like the opening heist scene, almost identical. the The shipyard scene in Heat is different, but it's but the scene is there in LA takedown, but it's, it's not in a shipyard. It's not as cinematic. Just in general. It's like in a, in a uh, alleyway somewhere, basically on the back side of a building. Uh, But then the bank heist is there. And then the diner scene, man, like they're all. Yeah. It's, it's like.
0: The end plays out a little differently. Um, A little, but it's like heat on a budget. Yeah. But, huh. uh, and th- what's the one connecting factor? Does anybody know? Oh, uh, man. Well, besides <laughs> Michael, Mann, <laughs> you're it's, right, it's, David. It's a uh, Ted, Le- Ted Levine Levine. No, it's Xander Berkeley.
1: Xander Berkeley. Okay. Oh.
0: Yeah. Who plays, uh, <laughs> who plays Vincent Hanna's, you know, wife's the, the, the person Vincent Hanna's wife's having an affair with he's in one scene in, in heat, but he is, he plays Wayne grow in, uh, Oh, that's,
1: down. that's who I meant. I, you know, I get those two d- dudes confused. Very honestly. close. Like, yeah, they look very similar to me. Go back, David, take a look at it. Like I, even when I was looking them up in the, in the, in the cast, I was like, Wayne I was like, is that, nope, that's uh, the other. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. But, yeah, yeah. uh, it, it's, it's really fascinating. So if you, if you're a fan and you haven't seen LA take down, head on over to YouTube, it's, it's all there, the whole movie. Yeah. So, uh, check that out. But um, yeah, really interesting. So this comes out, it, it uh, it doesn't make it doesn't survive beyond the pilot episode. So it's essentially a movie of the week. uh, At this point, man goes on to make last of the Mohicans, which was a huge successful movie. I think that's another one. Someday we'll probably take a look at that. I think you know, that may not stand the test of time in a lot of ways, but uh, that's a whole nother discussion, but very successful for man and really takes him to the A-list that, you know, he spends the entirety of the 80s doing these, you know, cops and thieves kind of, uh, you know, projects uh, and finally breaks out of that and shows I can make like an Oscar level movie um, that's going to make money and be very successful. So. What's the first project he does after that hit? Well, it's Heat. So comes right back to uh, the thing that's been on his mind since 1979, at least. Um, and you know, he was in the middle of preparing a James Dean biopic, which could have been interesting, but he aborts that and shifts over to to Heat. He's not here, is he?
2: No, he gonna meet you tonight. Tonight? What happened to right now? I I I implored
1: him because I knew you was coming this a.m no no I swear he he said no because he in Phoenix ah oh, R- by the time this, I this, get this to man, man Phoenix, I swear I swear man tonight's you'll the best be I rising.
0: so let's um let's come back to the the other huge elements here Mr. Pacino and De Niro I mean Are those guys These, they were the top actors of our, our generation, really.
1: Yeah. I Uh, mean, especially in that, at that time, for sure. Yeah. I I mean, mean, leading up leading, I mean, you know, obviously they both came onto the scene, I think in noticeable fashion, like in the seventies and then built on that in the eighties, but like right here, nineties, mid nineties, like they are the top talent. You know.
0: Yeah, I mean, at this point, for, for 20 years, they're the, the top guys. You know, they they both right. came r- rose up, like you were saying, through the 70s and nominated for Best Actors and from the Godfather films to Taxi Driver and, and The Deer Hunter and Scarface and, you know, both of them kind of paralleling each other as far as hits go. Um, and then De Niro, probably a little more consistently than Pacino through the 80s. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's coming off right at this point, A Bronx Tale and Franken uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and Casino. So his relationship with Scorsese is still in, you know, really at its peak, you know, between Goodfellas, Cape Fear, Casino, one right after the other. Mm-hmm. Pacino um, coming off Godfather 3 and Glengarry Glen Ross and winning Best Actor for Scent of a Woman, which really, marked kind of a comeback. He had kind of a lull in the early to mid 80s, but came back, I think starting with, before that was uh, Sea of Love and, and you know, going into The Godfather 3 and then Carlito's Way. Uh, so, and and I think he had a little bit of, took a little bit of time off and then he was sort of his comeback movie. So, you know, again, two top, top actors here. Um, and I always thought, that they had a rivalry that they didn't get along. I, I don't know where I got that from. I think that was maybe the rumor going around, but that was not true. Like they, they had been kind of casual friends just because they were in the same circle for, just for the, so long.
1: That's just the hype machine trying to get you all ramped up for heat. Right.
0: I remember hearing that like the, the diner scene was, there was a rumor that it wasn't actually, other than that, you, you know, I think you see a quick two shot of them And that may not be totally correct, but there's like you just see close ups and that's because they didn't shoot that scene, you know, at the same time, which is completely not true, Uh, but we'll come back to that scene. But uh, yeah. And uh, but so they were kind of they were acquaintances more than friends. Um, De Niro got the script first and he's the one who showed it to Pacino and was like, this would be kind of cool if uh, this is you and me. And I think everyone embraced that idea wisely. So, yeah. Remember Jimmy McElwain on the yard used to say, you want to be making moves on the street, have no attachments, allow nothing to be in your life that you cannot walk out on in 30 seconds flat
1: if you spot the heat around the corner.
0: What do we think about De Niro as Neil Macaulay? How is that? Who do you guys gravitate to? When you watch this film, I mean, do you lean towards one or the other? Or is there somebody that you um Gravitate to more, or are you kind of even between the two?
1: Mm-hmm. I'm definitely more of the Neil Macaulay De Niro side of it.
0: Yeah, so you want you want you, you're you're rooting for Macaulay to at least survive, if not get away with it.
1: Yeah, I am.
0: What and I don't you? know,
1: I don't know why exactly. I mean, he's the bad guy in I theory, think that's- but I but That's, he's not played like a bad guy you know like he's right. got integrity in what he does he's got rules he's got you know and it's I he's don't got know, his it, code his code yeah. is everything to
0: him and these yeah. these guys are flip sides of the same coin yeah D- David what about you did you uh lean one way or the other
2: um I think I think I I wavered back and forth but um I don't know. I, I, I think ultimately I'm a Pacino, I'm with Pacino on it. So, uh, you know, I don't know. He like this examination of both of their lives. And it's like, you know, what are, what are each of them doing? You know, like they've, yeah, that, that diner scene like illuminates like, boy, the choices these two guys have made uh or you know i think it's a real fascinating thing and yeah i don't know i think ultimately i just uh yeah i guess i'm more of a detective hannah uh
0: nice kind of
2: guy yeah i, I wanted uh, him to win
0: i think i've always been on macaulay's side like every time i watch him like oh he's so close like really like yeah he's yeah. not a bad guy yeah he is but <laughs> he is yeah. I know I just uh, I think I was a little more on Team De Niro than Pacino uh, for for most of my my life, but uh, yeah, now I'm kind of uh, I I don't know I I get both sides of it. They're just um, well,
1: it's interesting to see the differences in their like personal lives too, right? Like because yeah. De Niro is kind of but similarities
0: know, too. Like there there's there is so much it's it's sort of mirror images of each other. Go ahead, Brent.
1: Are they though? I mean, like in my head, the two kind of scenes that I think depict their home life best for me, or at least the ones that stick out is you've got Pacino who, you know, at his house has his wife. They're obviously in love and have their thing. And there's like more going on. Like, it's like, you know, it's like a family home. And even though like, it's got its flaws and obviously there's some issues with, you know, the Natalie Portman character that they're trying to work through, you know, like there's a lot of that just like life living happening there. Whereas, like with De Niro's character, the scene that sticks out is him in his like empty, like living room looking out over the water, like having a glass of something, just like by himself quietly. And eventually he invites, you know, he meets um his love interest and whatnot and like invites her in and stuff like that yeah but like his big thing and you know and he makes a point i think he says it multiple times is like you know like never basically get attached to anything that you can't drop in an instant to to get away from the heat, right and so like it's just it's very i feel like it's not exactly a mirror i feel like it's almost like uh the polar opposites right You know, like, yeah, they're similar, but very different.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I I think at their core, maybe at their core, they're really similar characters. And, you know, in that line that, you know, that Vincent Hanna says, like, all I am is what I'm going after. That's really what they're all about. Like, and it's, you know, whether it's Macaulay going after the score or Pacino or uh, Hannah going after the criminal that that's what it's all about for them. And, and, uh, so in that sense, they're like the same, but yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and, and as well as like their personal lives are kind of either non-existent or a mess. They just, they can't connect to someone else. Yeah. What we realize is like the only people they can connect with truly is each other and which we see in the diner scene.
1: Yeah. I'm really starting to like my magnet analogy that because they're drawn to the things that are like they're attracted to but at the yeah. same time like at their core they're attached right but they're on opposite sides of it right,
0: right. so yeah you're a genius basically I mean, what you just I've, been,
1: proved. I've been telling people that for years
2: <laughs> well Pacino's got a life that it that you know if you look at it a certain direction you'd say like that's that's a pretty good home life right but it's sort of but it is a home life on the, on the decline it's not really working you know, it's not, it's, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a hard relationship. And then, uh, De Niro, you know, yeah, he, fi- he actually finds someone he connects with and we get to see his like outside life kind of move up from the absolute nothingness. Like he, he, he can't get around to buying furniture to enjoy his beach house. Like, yeah, like that's, yeah. that's what his, but you know, it's like, there's, you know, he could have seen himself one last score moving and becoming a normal guy for the first time even though you know but in the diner he's like that's not for me you know yeah so but so they both get to they both have a taste they both give us examples of what their lives could be when you have nothing outside of your identity or when you have this other thing that everyone says like that's that's what that's the you know the american dream or whatever um and you know it's like it's not quite working for either of them you know that really, they only really belong in their their first jobs, which is you know to be a cop and to be a, a criminal. Um, is maybe what maybe what's being said in this movie? I don't mm-hmm.
0: know. I uh, really like the production design of of uh, Macaulay's apartment or house that's you know overlooking the ocean, overlooking the ocean. You know as a as a cleansing factor is is a, a kind of a, something that repeats itself in michael mann's films like we see it in the insider where you know al pacino's character lives lives on the beach and and we see him quite often like you know on the phone like feet in the water like right in the ocean and um we we see that with macaulay here but his his actual house is like all glass or metal cold empty you know really no real furniture other than like a couch and a glass table and um that that image i you know i think that image of him putting the gun down i think is i think is based on a uh, a painting that michael mann had seen um mm. so you know him sort of replicating that but uh yeah, uh, you know, seeing there and, and I, I love the way the film kind of goes back and forth that bringing these characters together and then when they split apart again, we parallel like what's happening in each of their lives. And, um, you know, again, there's so many other cast involved. Uh, but, you know, this is uh, and Pacino played Vincent Hanna again, watching it compared to L.A. Takedown, it's fascinating to see the different portrayals between the two actors. But Pacino's talked about that that he played Hannah as if as a guy who quote unquote chips cocaine. What do we got? You understand what I'm saying? i get killed for telling you this shit. Kill walking your doggy. she got a great ass.
1: And you got your head all the way up it. When I think of asses, woman's ass, something
0: comes out of me. Which is one of my favorite <laughs> phrases <that I'm> <laughs> take <laughs> yep. yeah, shipping cocaine, yeah, I could believe that, yeah <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. with that, like you know, kind of playing in in Pacino's mind, absolutely, like you can totally see Hannah as somebody who's uh, you know a cokehead on the job,
1: yeah, that sounds like a guy, a quote from a guy who may have done a
0: movie all about cocaine. <laughs> He knew a little bit about where. Him. Where he did a lot of research, <laughs> may have sampled. Who knows? I would think you
2: um, I would think that Al Pacino knows what
0: cocaine is like. I probably, if the, if you came I'm up not, through the seventies, I'm sure you know what. I mean, what cocaine. Was. I have no judgment,
2: but I'm pretty sure you would know what cocaine is like. I mean. <laughs> Right? Yep. Dumb, I guess most people do. I don't know.
1: <laughs> he played Scarface. Like he's yeah, it's
0: true. You know,
1: he definitely um, researched. I'm not saying he did cocaine. I'm saying he researched that life.
0: Yeah. I, I. I absolutely. I think he knew a bit about the subject. Not to say that he used it himself, but uh, as an as those kind of actors did, they they studied and and uh, you know got in the in the zone. So. Yeah, I'm.
1: I'm actually gonna say it. I think he did cocaine. But it's, <laughs> it's okay. Everybody in the '80s, I think, did cocaine. Uh, if well, you were
0: alive in the '80s, you probably did it. It was
1: probably. on the sets, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah,
0: it, probably, it was at craft service.
2: So. Probably. I feel like it was passed around in a big like saddle like a feeding yeah. bag, <laughs> like
0: feeding yeah, your sandwiches, sandwiches your Gatorades and uh Coke anybody and, ev- and everyone's
2: yeah. got that little piece of jewelry that's like a fingernail and you, yeah and you <laughs> just...
1: growing growing up as a child in the 80s your perception of cocaine in the 80s is that everybody had cocaine everywhere
2: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. it was just in Hollywood every, everywhere
0: i yeah. Um. Anyway. So I've got a theory and I and I brought this up on our uh on our thief episode. I think I brought it up on our episode on the driver and probably reservoir dogs, but um <laughs> it's uh or maybe not reservoir dogs, but uh I have a theory. It's the it's the D T H C U. The D T H C U. It's the Drive Thief Heat Cinematic Universe. I think that there is a world. Now, it's not it's not exactly true, but there is a world where you could argue that Ryan Gosling's character in Drive, James Kahn's character in Thief, and Robert De Niro's character in Heat all could be the same person at different points in their lives. That there is a world that they are very similar characters who have very strict codes that they live by and their whole life, revolves around um at different phases in their in their lives it's not a real they're not really connected but just there is a world where the you could change things and make those characters the same guy so i I like to live in that world so i like it yeah i mean you throw the driver in there too you know drive and the driver are very very similar movies and characters so Yeah, yeah Um, I
1: would need. I, I I haven't seen Thief in quite a while,
0: and you should change that because that's should. what I call a mistake.
1: Fair enough. <laughs> Noted. I'll make sure it's to a, fix a, that. That's a grave seen, error. If you yeah. haven't
0: seen Thief within three months at any moment, then you're and living. You're a not
1: living the, your best life. You're <laughs> failing. You're failing life,
0: bro. Yeah, you're letting yourself down. You didn't even know it.
1: Yeah, I do need to check that out again. Apparently, very soon. Um, Drive. It's
0: great. I I could
1: get, get behind it. Yeah,
0: I mean, just keep it in mind next time you watch those movies. It's it. it you know, I don't know if it one hundred percent holds up. It's just a thought, though.
1: I mean, I think the heath the thi- the 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 thief to heat connection is easy to. To kind of buy into, yeah. it. and, and yeah, so it's it's the connection of drive. I'll have to analyze this, like
0: a younger version of you know the those characters. So, I mean, I don't see,
1: about. I don't see Robert De Niro in a cool sateen jacket with a tiger on the back, but or scorpion or whatever in his youth that, though, in Neil Macaulay's
0: youth, maybe. <laughs> but uh, but maybe yeah. Um. The other, you know, we, we mentioned it, but I want to get back to it. There's this cast in this movie. I mean, it, it could take 20 minutes to just read who, who who's in this, but <laughs> it, all of them insane. are amazing and they're they're great in this movie, you know, not just, you know, in general actors, but their performances in this film. You know, on the, on, on the Neil McCauley side, you've got Tom Sizemore, as we mentioned, in one of his greatest roles, Val Kilmer, Danny oh. Trejo, Dennis Haysbert. Uh, yeah. John Voight, who this was a come, yeah. kind of a comeback movie for, right? Like he had, he's another actor, huge in the seventies, kind of, you know, kind of falls off the radar in the eighties. And I want to say that this, you know, of course, followed by Anaconda almost immediately were brought him right back. Had to be, had to be Anaconda, but he does, but he does do this mission impossible in Anaconda, which was a big release, not a great film, uh all back to back so kind of putting him back in the spotlight but
1: yeah I'd say this and combined with Mission Impossible I feel like Mission Impossible is the one where I remember them talking about John Voight really like coming back back
2: people really yeah that was the highest profile thing people really love that
0: but this as as a performance I, I'm going to argue about Mission Impossible because I wholeheartedly disagree with the creative direction of Mission Impossible. 1. That's fair.
1: that That's fine. and And I think you've got a good argument there. We're just merely talking about correct. the yeah. public correct consumption of of the movie and yeah. how it was like a very big deal when that movie came out.
0: Oh, it was huge. I mean, yeah. yeah at some point we're going to cover the summer of 96 even though we've covered some of those movies specifically <laughs> we're going to talk about the whole summer at some point down the road but uh. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah uh but but performance wise you know heat is really i i think one of john voigt's greatest performances i mean he's he's Sort of Macaulay's, you know, he's the guy running things behind Macaulay. Like he's the doer. Mm. He's the one who sets everything up. He sets up the, the scores. He's the one kind of securing the getaway plan, like securing, you know, some of the funds. And he's, he's kind of the brains making things happen. And, and somebody that Macaulay can really trust, which is, I, I think, something very uh, rare for Macaulay to be able to do. Right. But, um, you know and he's only in a handful of scenes but they're and they're usually quiet just the two of them talking and plotting Was well, he also uh, but,
1: kind of like a father figure and it you seems know, like it yeah bit?
0: yeah yeah it seems like it but uh yeah just a really good performance here and and he's based on uh the uh Based on Eddie Bunker, who you'd probably know more from *Reservoir Dogs* as Mr. Blue, and he's uh, the police, one of the police captains in *Tango and Cash*. Oh right. So Eddie Bunker was a real-life uh, thief who, you know, ended up getting into the movie business and you know connected with Tarantino and was a technical advisor on a lot of films. This being one of them. So there's there's actually yeah. a, a photo I'll probably post it online of. Robert De Niro's crew, you know, all those actors, like with Eddie Bunker and, um, you know, like kind of hanging out and probably working together. But uh, and, and I think they made Voight really look like Eddie Bunker uh, at the time. So that was uh, nice. another cool little nod. Um, Yeah. And just so, you know, though you've got an, an Amy Brenneman and and uh, Ashley Judd and and. And then on the the Al Pacino side, you've got all the police, you know, the actors and the pol- his police squad. Ted Levine, who you mentioned, and yep. Michael T. Williamson, who is a, another Michael Mann guy, who shows up in a lot of Michael Mann stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, West Studi, yeah, new- shout out to West Studi for sure. West Studi, Studi yeah. New Mexico.
1: Yep, all day long. Last of the Mohicans. I know we. Or, yeah, I know we don't
0: think that one holds up. But no, was- but I mean that's. Uh, that's got to be one of his greatest roles as well
1: yeah for sure
0: um it it just goes on and on and on and and just don't forget your boy
1: tom noonan
0: tom noonan
1: tone loke
2: william fictioner yeah Uh, hank azaria
1: why young jeremy piven
0: henry rollins (laughs) young natalie portman natalie portman yeah and this is so natalie piven loke
2: (laughs) rollins they're all here portman they're all here all Dude, the it's stars a cra- are <laughs>
0: It
1: is a crazy cast, like for sure. Like it is bananas.
0: D- Diane Venora, you know, th- like every scene, there's just like amazing actors in some of them, their greatest roles. But uh, Natalie Portman was this is, I think, the first movie she did after The Professional. So this is kind of like, OK, The Professional wasn't a one off thing. Like she's 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 here to stay.
1: When was Beautiful Girls?
0: I want to say it was 96 but it could be all, it could be right around the same time so
2: 96 just yeah just a year after this
1: yeah okay yeah,
2: this is So uh, wow jeez Just you starts know, with, with a, the professional with her yeah with
0: a lot of yeah. child yeah. actors like wow. you don't really not all of them are going to take to it not all of them are going to stick with it not all of them want to stick with it so you need to kind of see like okay can they do something is there going to be another project that really works for them that they can follow it up with and natalie portman's been working steadily since 1994. so i think she took off a a little bit of time off going to college at some point Mm -hmm. uh, in the early 2000s but uh yeah
2: i've only seen her in uh star wars 2 attack of the clones
0: why watch anything else that's the only
1: thing you just watched on uh, repeat uh,
2: yeah, it's the only thing I've seen her in. So I'm sure she's really good in that. So,
1: yeah, yep. That pretty much sums up her entire career. If you see <laughs> that, you don't need to see anything else. I'm
2: kidding. I've seen Garden State. Dude, she's Perfect. in so much. Like she's oh. in a lot. She's in a lot of yeah. stuff. I've seen a lot of her stuff. I saw Mars Attacks.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously she's. Oh man. I
1: mean, she was awesome in the professional. I think everybody. I oh think, yeah. You know, like she's she so totally good. like exploded onto the scene from from the professional i think everybody expected her to to be someone who stuck around and was was going to have many great performances but man if you go back and actually now look at what she has done Mm -hmm. it's (laughs) mind-blowing like she's been in so much and really good really good
0: yeah yeah i think at some point it's going to come around and She is going to, I think people are going to realize like how many good movies she's done over the course of her career, how consistent she's been. Um, Yeah,
1: it's unreal.
0: So yeah, Natalie Portman, amazing. Uh, You know, just so many actors in this are great, but uh, going back to kind of the, the, you know, what the, the characters in this film is about, I don't you know a lot of people just see it as like an action you know an actiony movie about this cop and the thief and you know all all that but to me it's a movie about people it's really like a a character piece and about the choices that people make you know all along the way there's these characters are like coming to a crossroad and have to choose one thing or the other and it's gonna like their survival (laughs) The, the chances of their survival like greatly depend on what decision they make. Um, you know, for, for so many of these characters, like do they want to do the robbery? Are they going to, you know, is Macaulay's crew going to stick together? Is loyalty to that more important? Is it more important to chase the score than to walk away, take a beat, and go for something more safe down the line? You know, is it more important to have a relationship with a woman you can finally you know or a partner you can finally connect with or to live by your code and walk away from everything you've set up you know is it more important to chase the (laughs) chase the criminal or you know keep your marriage that's hanging on by a thread what's more important to you you know Mm -hmm. dennis hayes like all every character has a choice to make um or, or multiple choices throughout the movie so you know that's it really stood out this time like i i think i i in my notes i've kept track of it of just like wow it's really like when you look at it from that perspective it really hammers at home over and over and over in this movie yeah and another thing about this movie is it's very la like there's so much los angeles all over this movie Uh, oh my gosh (laughs) yeah like you can recognize it's funny because they they scouted locations for like i don't know like six months at the end towards the end of 94 and michael mann really wanted to pick locations that hadn't been used and weren't going to be obvious from other movies um but if you live in los angeles like you can recognize some places or the area that some of this was shot in
1: i mean some of the places that he shot in were the same places he shot la takedown which <laughs>
0: yeah. is true. So, oh really He's so, the same location
1: so he'd been scouting way earlier than 94
0: yeah the benefit of being a, uh, having a fully funded practice run at your movie
1: yeah i mean <laughs> for real
0: yeah uh, like i'm
1: pretty sure the opening scene takes place at the same spot The i think the bank heist takes place at this on the same street but the one but heat bank heist is expanded like it's a larger scale and the and the right. and it goes further and has a greater reach but like the initial like leaving the lobby scene i think is all kind of in the same
0: general area yeah wow so yeah anyway i uh i love that you uh, i really like when you can watch like one frame of a movie or one second of a movie and can you can tell what director it is and it, it's kind of all over this movie like there's i don't think any shot where you can't tell this is a michael mann movie mm-hmm. you know from the frame the way he frames certain things to his his depth of focus in a lot of shots that he'll have something in focus in the foreground and sort of in the you know in the background as well um the lighting style of course you know the the editing style there's a certain pace to his his films but this this may be his most epic i'm trying to think of his more recent things but this i think is like his most grand film of of everything that he's done this is like the epic piece and it starts you know right when we meet our characters you know we see Denis, we see macaulay like and and val kilmer's character uh how do you say chris shaharis is that how you say his last name
2: I was never clear on the pronunciation yeah,
0: right he's always man's always got interesting names like like that's not an easy one to say
2: yeah I feel like everyone's from his it's from they're from his
1: past right yeah they're <laughs> they're like, they these are, to, are yeah, real people that's like names. his
0: that's like his third grade like yeah.
1: <laughs> science teacher yeah
0: <laughs> but uh yeah, we so see we them know. kind of preparing for I mean, you don't realize it at the time, but you see them preparing for their first score, which is going to be taking down the armed, uh, the armed truck for the the bear bonds, um, which is a scene that's going to go off the rails. But uh, and then we see Vincent Hanna and his home life with the the sloppiest sounding kisses in the history of film. <laughs> <laughs>
2: like,
0: really turn that volume up on those kisses. <laughs> A lot of
2: loud, lot loud of loudness in this
1: movie,
0: though, right? There like, is
1: there is a lot of loudness. Isn't like, like Pacino's gun-
2: footsteps uh, like also just the loudest footsteps? I think, and
1: like, yeah, gun- the gunshots are the loudest gunshots. Like it's like
2: yeah, the gunshots are like these are the this is a dangerous weapon. Like that those gunshots make me really afraid of the guns. Like yeah like, yeah, they're just so overpowering.
0: Yeah, those I they were in, intensified, but they. <sighs> One of the things, one of the reasons I love Michael Mann films as much as they I do, we've talked about how on the past on this show that I struggle with modern action films. You know, the action, this action style, the Fast and the Furious style, the, you know, whatever of like over the top action. I really, and I think it's after I saw Thief or sorry, Heat that I really prefer the realistic action scene you know this the you know all the action in this movie is as it would be in reality and that was that's always very important authenticity in these shootouts is really important to man like let's use the real gun you know the real gun. i mean obviously they're they're movie guns but but um you know what would the weight of these guns be like what would the 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 sound of this gunfire how loud would it be that that's part of what is so authentic about this is that, yeah, like that, that is what the volume is. And, um, you know, we'll come back to the shootout in a little bit, but, uh, yeah, all all of that, you know, it is definitely, I think they turned up, uh, things with Pacino just to give Hannah that like heavy, intense, like, he's a serious guy, you know, that he is, um, make him weigh just as much as macaulay does
2: yeah yeah you got I, I i remember i think it was it was footsteps or something i'm like boy geez yeah like he's a <laughs> yeah. i gotta pay
1: attention to him you
2: know
0: vincent Hanna like, is not a quiet guy like <laughs> everything is big and loud yeah
1: it's like it's like the footsteps at the what is it the opening of point blank
0: point blank yeah again something i liked the, the parallel between both teams was like how fluid they are with each other that McCauley's squad is like sort of like an elite unit that they've done this, God knows how many times, and they are they're a real team. Each of them has a role. Each of them does something specific. That they watch each other's backs. They 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 can anticipate, you know, what each of them is supposed to do, what they're gonna do. Um, they don't make mistakes. That's like, <laughs> you know, the only people that make mistakes is the additional people to their team. But the force, yeah, it's like. It's like Wayne Grow, right? Like I mean yeah. that guy. You yeah, know, you
1: can't can't trust the people that aren't part of the uh the tight crew.
0: Yeah. Uh you know, w- Wayne Grow was a it's a character that just kind of drives me nuts each time I watch it. Like, <laughs> man, how did you let this guy Yeah, like,
1: how did this guy get away? Like you yeah. just if you hadn't let this dude get away.
0: Yeah. It's like they needed one more person and, you know, they, they got a gun for hire and that was Wayne yeah. Grow and it was just the wrong guy. And It was like we, a
1: friend of a friend's cousin.
0: You're yeah. like, oh, man, <laughs> Wayne Grow. Yeah. Damn it. His name is Wayne Grow, too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh Yeah, and that, you know, the intensity of the, the robbery, you know, the armed car uh, robbery in the beginning, like, again, technically... I really appreciate how methodical Michael Mann is and, and mapping out like how would these guys in real life actually do this? Like, we're not mm-hmm. going to watch the version of wanted or, uh, you know, fast and the furious that like, how would those guys have done this, this robbery?
1: Pretty sure De Niro, if he wanted to could curve a bullet though. So let's
0: true. <laughs> yeah. True.
1: Let's not be too hard on wanted. <laughs>
0: But uh, yeah, like this is how this is a way to do it, you know, and he's working man's working with technical advisors who like, you know, from both sides that, uh, um, you know, that would uh, show him the authentic way. So uh, and then it goes off the rails like right away with Wayne grow, you know, executing one of the guards like that was not the plan. They were not, you know, these guys are not out and out like they will kill people, but that's not their plan.
1: Yeah, that's not what they want to do. They want yeah. to get the goods and get out. Right. Like, like and they're killing, yeah. killing people is sloppy. Like, it, and it, and it brings additional heat. Like, you, you want to, you know, yeah. you want to get in and out.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and you can, you get that sense though of these guys must have done this God knows how many times. Like, they've, they're a seasoned group of professionals mm-hmm. and, uh, and, you know, we see, you know, after, after the robbery goes, uh, you know, they do get away with the bonds, but they, um, you know, mistakes are made and now that they, they've brought Wayne grows, brought heat down and, and they've, they were sort of forced to execute the other guards because they were witnesses. So right. now they've executed, was it three people when they should have had zero and just gotten away with it? Yep. Um, those, those hockey masks, which, are also a part of la takedown uh very Mm -hmm. cool kind of look
1: retro uh uh, goalie masks yeah
0: yeah um you know and then it comes to the diner scene when they're basically in a public setting going to agree to get rid of wayne grow and they've i love how they've got him boxed into the you know the booth that like this guy doesn't even know how much trouble he's in yeah yeah (laughs) and uh you know, but ends up kind of squirming his way out just by sort of by luck. Uh, and it always mystified me, like, where did Wayne Grow go? Yeah, how how did he <laughs> roll away from them like that? Just disappeared. But on the flip side, you know, Vincent Hannah's crew is just as professional. Like we we see when Hannah comes on the scene and immediately we see him take charge and walk through He walks through just from looking at the the layout like he can tell exactly what happened. um, That you know, he can see the whole scene play out and his team also just as fluid and falls in line of like and you know what the backstory is what the you know get the background on the truck and and who are these people and and what are they going to do next so um, and then the sort of cat and mouse chase uh, begins. And then we go to their personal lives. You know, that's where again, like we see, we see the action, and then we split. We see, you know, what what Hannah's situation is at home, and that his his relationship with his wife is just barely hanging on. He's got the this the uh, stepdaughter that has a terrible relationship with her, you know, dad that's sort of not really in the picture, and how kind of we learn as the movie goes on. How devastating that is for her character. So he's got, you know, a really messy home life, and work is where he can focus. Work is where, like, he doesn't let any of that stuff in. Personally, he's just kind of a machine. And De Niro's sort of the opposite of that. That he has nothing at home, so that he can just fully focus on the job. Um, where are you guys on Val Kilmer? Val Kilmer in the nineties
2: guy's huge man nothing better
0: right
1: right he's, i mean totally like I, I to so i mean obviously pacino and de niro are the top guys but kilmer at this time is also a huge star like, he's the uh, number
0: three build on the movie i mean it's, yeah I mean, it's like he's, de niro pacino and then kilmer right in the middle so right
1: yeah he is a he's a a big deal that gets totally overshadowed by by Pacino and and De Niro in this and unfortunately like in the long run because of his health and like having to kind of stop acting doesn't get nearly the credit that he deserves but he was he was very much a a top draw actor um you know He's
0: Batman. He's Batman in 1995. That's like one of the right. top, you know, <laughs> roles at the time. Right. I mean and yeah, he's a very big deal. Coming off the Doors and Thunderheart, it's, you know, and a lot of, you know, good roles throughout the 80s and but really kind of cementing himself as the 90s, you know, going into the 90s and and he he holds his own, you know. He's he um it's another it's another movie where where I don't I watch this and I don't see Val Kilmer. Like I see that character and right. he's able to like it's hard it's hard for us you know cinema goers and uh, to to see past the actor and see the character i mean that's when you really know that like they're good is when you can just feel that person that they're playing and not the actor behind it yeah
1: yeah he's phenomenal in this he's great
0: uh diane venora too you know all the, the women in these guys lives uh these these actresses are Really good. I think they had a really difficult roles to play in this. I, you know, Michael Mann's films are not known for being the friends of feminism. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, they're very much guy movies about guys and you know, uh, but the three women here, I think do a lot with these characters because you can, I, I think you can see their side of things. And that may not be something that's necessarily scripted, but it's the way they're portraying these characters that you can get their situation and how, why they would be unhappy. And it makes sense that they do some of the things they do. Um, You know, with Diane Venora's character, like you can completely understand that she would feel lonely and, you know, her like her partner is absent 90% of the time. And yeah, maybe they have a great physical and sexual relationship, but what else is there? You know, we see we see. I think a couple of times in the movie where they're, you know, where they're doing something social. They're having, um, they're having like the group kind of get-togethers. And Pacino and Hannah's got to go. He gets paged, and mm-hmm. there's a murder, and he's got to drop what he's doing and and leave. And um, Amy Brenneman that really um and i think she was either had just i think she just left nypd blue uh at the time which i loved Mm -hmm. the first couple seasons but she was her character was david caruso's uh i think girlfriend in the first couple seasons and when that character had to go bye-bye uh they wrote her out as well so um this i think was her first movie after that or one of her first projects and she's really an innocent. She's one of the like few, like completely innocent, unrelated characters here. Um, yep. You know, who, who sort of like just casually trying to make conversation with Macaulay and, and he rejects her and then apolog- realizes that she's not like a narc and, <laughs> um, you know, they start to have a relationship and, but she never knows. She has no idea who he really is. Yeah,
1: she thinks he's a salesman.
0: Yeah, a a metal salesman, right? Or yeah, yeah.
1: I sell metal. Oh, yeah, that sounds (laughs) legit. Who doesn't? Yeah, she's good. I think Ashley Judd is really good in this too. Like, I think her performance is kind of low key, under the radar.
0: But yeah, and her first big role as well. I mean, she was in the Judds at this point.
1: Was she not in? She wasn't in anything. I mean, I think
0: she she may have been in a couple of things. Um, I remember a, I think it was a TV movie or maybe it was an HBO movie where she played um, like a young uh, Marilyn Monroe. But um, but this was certainly her biggest movie at at the time, and and really what helped launch her uh, her movie career. Um, but yeah, another character who is you know a, a mother and you know part of. Val kilmer's family life and also very dissatisfied with you know the the lifestyle her husband leads and and his you know i think it's kind of insinuated he's got alcohol problems and he's a you know can be when under alcohol he's uh potentially abusive and um you know yeah. she just wants like a way out and who would who who would you turn to hank is area of course
2: yeah hey why not hey he he makes me laugh
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's a couple of uh actors who show up in this that i'm like kind of bump me a little bit like hey kazaria how are you in this jeremy piven why how did you get here
2: you need you know you need you need people that you you know can come in and
1: and give it give it good on the first take What did Piven, what did Piven done up to this point? Had he done? PCU? 90,
0: yeah, he done. I think PCU, I want to say was 94. Um, but he was not. Uh, he was not known. No. I mean, it wasn't until I think a few years after this, when he started to become more of a household name, and obviously, and then Entourage was uh, the big one. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But uh, Amy Brenneman tells this story that, um, after she was cast, she came to Michael Mann. She's like, "Okay, so here's what I think about uh, Edie and her background, and this is why she's, you know, got the issues she's got." And she <laughs> created like this whole backstory, which, obviously, every actor should do. And and really to know who that character is that you're playing, you need to know where they where they came from. And Michael Mann just kind of looked at her and was like, "No, you just love him. That's mm-hmm. it." You just you, you just, just love him. You just love him. Yeah,
1: thanks, director, man.
0: Like, okay, so pretty straightforward. Don't need to know why. Don't you know? Just you just love him.
2: That's a good direction.
0: <laughs> it is. He br- broke it down and kept it uh, simple, but keep, keep it easy. A lot, a lot of actors just uh, need need a little more than this. Um. Al Pacino's, uh, his portrayal of Hannah, this has got to be, it's this and Scarface with the most kind of memorable one-liners, right? I don't know, scent of a woman. -ah! hooah! That's true, yeah. This is really, um, I guess it started with Scarface, continued with scent of a woman, and completely solidifies here in Heat with the yelling version of Pacino. Right. Right, I mean, I
1: guess in Scarface I don't pick it up. It's really Scent of a Woman where it's like I don't know, I feel like it's a scent, like, just a really big central aspect of that character and from that point on for a while that just became his thing like yeah. Devil's Advocate, like all of it was just like yeah, just loud and intense kind of yelling
0: yeah It, you know, when you go back to 70s Pacino, like one of the only scenes he raises his voice in is the last scene in the first Godfather. Yeah. And otherwise, he's very soft spoken through that, you know, maybe a couple scenes of Dogged Afternoon. But yeah, I was going to
1: say, like at the end when he's out yelling, you know, outside. When he's out front. Yeah. Yeah. But
0: But. otherwise, he's, you know, he's very quiet. Uh, And then Scarface, it's played over the top because of, you know, character does massive amounts of cocaine and drugs and yeah uh but yeah starting with scent of a woman it's pretty consistent that there are going to be scenes where al pacino is yelling
1: maybe glengarry glenn ross i'd have to go back and see his performance in that it's been a long time he's but it's a very high angry energy men type kind of
0: yeah ricky roma and in, in glengarry is high energy but he's not yelling i don't think
1: but he's definitely before.
0: going down that road for sure. So, um, uh, uh, but yeah, then that, that, uh, continued. So
1: Donnie um, Brasco.
0: Yep. yep. Um, Any another actor Sunday. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. God. Another actor that popped up here that you almost, you know, you, you, if you blink, you, you missed him is Bud court from Harold and mod. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Plays the manager of the diner where uh, Dennis Haysbert's character is working, who's just just kind of brutal to this guy. And, and you know, he's... uh,
1: Man, that's Bud Court, huh?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bud Court, whose career in the... You know, we talked about this, dig way deep in our archives for our Harold and Maude episode at Reconsimation.com. But we talked about his career and you know it was a rising star through the 70s and i think a car crash uh kind of derailed that and and he he would never get back to the uh level he was at but he did pop up here and there and this is one of those roles It's like oh there he is he's he's uh, still around playing kind of a jerk here but oh um haysbert of course from uh legendary in a film called Navy Seals there anyone you hasn't seen it you should check mm. it out immediately
1: mm. or any prudential commercial from <laughs> yeah. 2005 till now
0: but Haysbert is an, an actor who's worked for years and years major league uh you know was a great character there uh, but really didn't become popular until 24 major league oh, president right. palmer
2: Dave, yep. david palmer that's right
0: yeah Uh, But his character here, who's not, uh, you know, who's not a major character in LA Takedown is, uh, you know, trying to go the straight and narrow. He's, he's, you know, out of prison trying to put his life together. And we just see kind of separate scenes of like, why is this character in this movie? We keep kind of cutting to him and his, I, I don't know if that's his wife or girlfriend trying to keep him walking the straight line. And that character finally, comes full circle with uh, when he crossed paths with, uh, with uh, Macaulay's crew uh, right before the big robbery. But um, I love the scene where, you know, once I, I like how, I really like how this film, how it all kind of plays out that like, how does Hannah eventually get on the trail of Macaulay and his crew? And it's really, Tom Sizemore's is kind of slip up of using the word, you know, the term slick that that's like a, just a nickname that he calls people. And, um, you know, Hannah's hitting the streets and trying to get to all his informants and finding out anything about this crew and in a a scene with of all people, tone Loke, who also pops up in this movie, mm-hmm. um, you know, ends up revealing, that you know he knows he he drops the name slick so hannah's able to put two and two together that like okay this there's a connection here so uh he initially thinks that that sizemore's character is the leader of the crew and i I, well because that's all he knows right right? like when when we see him spying you know they're spying on um on Sizemore and Kilmer, like all of them, and De Niro, they're all out to dinner with their, their yeah,
1: coming out of the the restaurant or whatever. Yeah,
0: that he doesn't even know who Macaulay is. Like, right. he's like yeah. a completely new character. Has no idea that this guy's actually the one running things. Yeah, um, you know. So like,
1: then... I I love that. See that scene bookended with the scene at the shipyard. It's like again just. The crew mirroring each other and
0: yeah. what they do to research. Yeah, that's like they, they dig into each other. Once they find out who they're really dealing with, once yeah. Hannah finds out about Macaulay and Macaulay figures out through Nate, which is John Voigt's character, like who is the guy that's got the heat on him, you know, he does his own backs, you know, digging into into Hannah, and they're just really after each other. Um mm-hmm the scene where they're doing the, the other, you know, they're about to break in, or they're in the middle of a break in to another place, uh, another location. And like their Hannah and his team are there ready to catch them in the act. And that uh, was another, you know, ba- based on a real situation with Chuck Adamson that they were on a stakeout and a, uh, I think in the, I want to say in the real version in a, uh, the one of the other cops like knocked over a bottle of water or something and and it, mm-hmm. but either way like in this it's like the cop sitting down and leaning against the side of the truck and and making that you know indentation sound like that's all it took was one sound and macaulay is so like in tune with it that it's not worth the risk like he will walk away like they're they're Literally Val Kilmer's character is like drilling into the safe or whatever it is they're going into. They're like right like moments away from getting in. That it's like, nope, walk away, walk away now because we've done essentially nothing. Like they're not yeah. gonna like if they're on to him, they're not gonna get him for breaking and entering. They're gonna wait until he's actually stealing sure. something. Yeah. And uh it's a brilliant scene, and the way it's cut together, and they're sort of like again, Brent, to your analogy, mirror images of each other. They're, like, staring right into the camera from opposite ends. Really, really beautiful scene. And Hannah's reaction, like, you know, Macaulay pulls the plug, they all walk away, like, you know, pull up stakes and and just walk get back in the van and leave. They've really done nothing. And Hannah's reaction to it of just, like, he's so angry that, like, he can't do anything. Like, nothing's going to make that right. <laughs> you know? And then quickly Macaulay turning it around on them that knowing they're being watched and, right. you know, going in and like really vocally mapping out a plan of the next thing they're going to do. So as soon as they leave, knowing Hannah's going to go walk through the same steps, he's backtracked and now he's photographing Hannah and his crew
1: yeah like, and then faces, hannah realizes. it yeah
0: yeah, <laughs> like yeah that seems so,
1: awesome i love that scene
0: it's so good that they like they know how good the other one is that they're right on each other's tails and the mutual respect there yeah um you know and then coming around to the diner scene that that hannah's just like you know what i'm just going to talk to this guy like they're so they're kind of obsessed with each other right yeah Totally. It's like, it feels like for each of them, it's like an addiction to outmaneuver the other one.
1: Well, I mean, it's the, uh, yeah, it's that classic cat and mouse, you know, like they're, they're hunting each other in a way, right? Like they're trying to outsmart the other one, not get caught. Like it is, it's a, it's a great like building of suspense and like that moment in the diner, having them kind of face off verbal, you know, like with verbal wits or you know, is is kind of perfect. And it's what every person who's been tracking De Niro and Pacino's career up to this point wanted to see. Yeah. Like it's like the it's zero action, but probably the most recognizable scene of the movie, right?
0: Yeah. And so much, so much being said. You know literally and and reading between the lines of these characters and what they you know having a real human moment but like the way they shot the scene like there was a two shot that i don't think he used i I actually don't think he used any of the two shot in the film that we go right into the tight over the shoulder close up and close up Mm -hmm. and close up and close up and it's just like you know, these characters, how on edge would they be? You know, like yeah, they're and like in
1: each other's face. You yeah. Know?
0: Mm-hmm. And that like apparently like every time De Niro moved, like Pacino would kind of counter that as, as Hannah would. That like mm-hmm. his hand's probably on his gun like the whole time that this guy could either bolt or pull his own, you know, try to shoot his way out of there or, or what, yeah. but they end up playing it cool the whole way through. And emotionally connecting with each other
1: yeah yeah it's so well done it's that's such a great scene
0: yeah it's really again like i went through a phase where like yeah it's genius and then watching him like well you know it's good like it's good performances but like nothing really happens and, and then now nope. i'm back like no it's, it's but brilliant it's the, like
1: but it's the first time
0: Since then, we've had
1: 20 plus years uh, of time for it to, or not 20 plus, but you know, like close to whatever to, for it to sink in. Like it was a huge, huge,
0: it was a huge deal for these guys to, to do this movie together that remember this is go back to 95. This is, you know, the internet is just becoming a thing, um, but there's no streaming services. Like there's no, the amount of product being made was so much less. So to get actors of this caliber together was a really big deal.
1: Right. I mean, because it's not like these guys were just sitting around, like they were working, like they were constantly working. And I mean, yeah, it's.
0: And it kind of paralleled the two actors careers that like, you know, they were kind of competing with each other. Like who's the better actor, De Niro or Pacino? You know, you kind of picked one or the other and, you know, who does the better movies and who's the bigger star. And, you know, finally, like, I don't know, it was something really poetic about the two of them playing these, these characters. So.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't think it can be overstated how big a deal it was. Like the only other thing that I can think of, like for my growing up in the eighties, nineties, 90s brain that could have compared to it is if it was like stallone and and arnold were in a movie together going toe-to-toe before
0: the expendables you know what it, yeah um yeah um, yeah for action movies or you, yeah you, you one could like say, it, like in the like in the 80s like late 80s yeah. like
1: if that would have happened like that would have blown my mind
0: yep kind of like how i felt when uh or freddie or jason yeah when that happened
1: blew my mind
0: the showdown everyone wanted to see or you could say stallone and i don't know kurt russell in uh tango and cash so we got
1: tango and cash you (laughs) know what i mean it, it was like and we got it in in a timely manner like yeah you know de niro and pacino together i mean because they always did movies that were like they were always great in and, and and very easily arguments could have been made that you could have interchanged them and and the other could have played that character or whatever you know what mm-hmm. i mean like they were like kind of on the same trajectory they had the same sort of background of of movie that they would they would have done i mean it was incredible it's like yeah. like going back and thinking about it, it you know is I just don't know. You don't get that anymore. Like, yeah. it's just that kind of stuff doesn't, I don't know if that happens anymore when it comes yeah. to actors.
0: I don't know. It's, it's, there's so many projects now and there's so many big actors that it's, uh, it's hard to say, you know, again, we, we well, we got it later with like the Irishman and we had De Niro and Pacino again, but now mm-hmm. throwing Joe Pesci and, you know, there's another sort of dream triangle, but, yeah, that was fun. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, once upon a time in Hollywood, you have Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. Um that they're you know big huge names of today's era,
1: but they're not facing off. You know what I mean? Right. I think the fact that they're like actually competing yeah. against each other in this movie and they're like it's it's not only the fact that they're in the movie together, but it's the context in which they're acting against each other right that also just makes it so it's such an effective like uh presentation like everything yeah. is just like it's like perfect you know yeah audiences
2: would experience this again with Ben and Lou in X versus Sever
0: that's yes i would, would say I they, would have to see that arguably the better film
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, what's this...
0: the remind us the full title of that?
1: Yeah, what is that again? Oh, what is the I don't, take
0: I your forget. time? I'll edit it together. <laughs> yeah, of course. Ballistic, what, what is that movie? It's
2: Ballistic <laughs> X versus Sever 2000. <laughs> that,
0: that's <What>? a real <laughs> movie. The, the perfect, it's the perfect uh-huh. film. uh-huh
2: They're mm-hmm. two like top assassins
0: or something, yeah.
2: And they like that's the name ballistic, X Sever because wait, and who's in it? Antonio Banderas plays Jeremiah X, Lucy Lou plays Sever. Uh the I, dream was, lineup was it, you
0: didn't know was was it, you it, needed.
1: Wasn't Banderas and Stallone in a movie called Assassins? Is that the same? Oh, yeah. Come that's on. True. With Julianne Moore.
0: Yeah. Assassins is great. That's a great uh, movie. directed by uh Richard Donner. Yeah, okay.
1: sure. All that, all that. But
2: so finally Banderas and Lou on screen
0: after all one that one. Time. after all that time of wanting. <laughs> We've been waiting and waiting and uh, Hollywood made it happen.
2: Hollywood well, so we'll, you know
1: give we'll Hollywood listen. enough time to come around.
0: <laughs> yep. It always does. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's talk about the the uh, the action scene of the movie the uh, the robbery of uh, the bank robbery downtown again f- really watching LA Takedown it's like bizarre like so it's so identical you yeah. know I mean it's not it's not shot for shot but it is pretty much beat for beat um, you know the same scene yeah so
1: yeah well and I think it's I mean from an action scene sequence like I mean that's. I feel like it's right up there with things like, you know, the beach scene and saving private Ryan and stuff like that. Like just the way that it's like done and composed and like the energy of it. And like, I don't know. I think it's, it's really top notch. It was a lot cooler though, before some fucking morons did it for real in 97, but like Oh, yeah, the, had to uh, rob the bank the same way.
0: Yeah, well, the, the oh, North yeah, Hollywood, uh, the North Hollywood bank robbery in '97, I think it yeah, was. Yeah. That Ooh. the North Hollywood shootout that was you know, this Ugh. movie, it was there was concern about you. you we've you know, we've talked Copycats. about on the show before about yeah, mm-hmm. the copycat kind of syndrome of when a movie gets popular. That there were you know a couple of thieves who had the same kind of get up, more like the you know. Uh, in the initial arm, armed uh, car takedown in the beginning of the film that they had you know, more of that kind of look, but they were loaded, you know, like bulletproof vests and fully padded. Well, didn't they
1: have like armored helmets and shit on armored too? Like, helmets, it was machine like crazy. guns. Yeah.
0: And it's uh, yeah. And North Hollywood tried to rob a bank and had a huge shootout with the cops. And when they eventually, you know, uh, you know they they lost but um but they, they kind of checked oh. out their apartments of course they had a copy of heat and uh, uh <sighs> you know that was well, yeah but,
1: yeah and it also i mean it was because of that robbery that a whole lot of like gun legislation in in california and and everything ah, got passed you know right. but it's like you can go and look it up man i remember i dude i remember when that happened like seeing it play on the news and i was like holy shit this looks like straight up from a movie like it was kind of crazy i mean these dudes were like fully armored and they were like just standing out there getting shot at from multiple angles and the bullets were just like kind of bouncing off of their shit and they had these you know automatic rifles that they were like just sitting there just like
2: that sounds super awesome
1: (laughs) <laughs> not super. It's awesome in a movie. It's awesome in a movie. Yeah,
2: the, no, uh, I know. That's the, that's the that's the problem. It's awesome in a movie. Yeah, uh, and you know, of course, no, no, you don't want that in real life. But
1: well, well it's crazy. You can find but, the footage on YouTube. Like, it's oh, still well, not, it's is there.
2: Shootout footage. Like, oh yeah
0: yeah yeah, 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 for
2: sure, dude. Oh, oh that sounds awesome.
1: <laughs>
0: right, but, it, but it's it is strange how it does mirror this. Like, like yeah, totally. Like Macaulay's crew is is you know, they're, they're very precise and, you know, it is, their game is, their game is thrown off. Um, initially because Danny Trejo's, excuse me, his character is, uh, is, we see just a quick scene of him calling in and saying he, like, there, there's some heat on him. He can't make the, oh, right. he can't make the score. He's got to try to lose whoever's on his tail. We don't see who that is. Um, but, uh, you know and that's where the Dennis Haysbert character they're they're in a diner when this happens and coincidentally that's the diner that Dennis Haysbert's character is working in so when De Niro and uh, I think Val Kilmer see him they're like we need a driver like you want you want in and he and and that's where his character has to make that mm-hmm. life choice of mm-hmm. i've been working so hard to go straight do i Say no and keep going and this live this miserable life of going straight, or do I say screw it and do the score with them and get however much money, you know? Right. Um so he opts to throw it away and go with them, body slamming poor Bud Court along the way. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> but uh so now, you know, when the score is uh mid, you know, when they're mid-robbery someone calls in to rat them out and, uh, to Hannah and Hannah races his crew down there to catch them in the act. And quickly they realize like, this is no regular crew doing this robbery that, that Macaulay's crew are full professionals and fully ready to fight back. And, uh, it's just the choreography of that scene is so brilliantly done with, with Macaulay, like walking on top of the, you know, the famous shot of him walking on top of the tellers, you know, desks mm-hmm. and telling them like, this is not personal. Like, this is not your money. It's insured. You're going to get it back. Just let us do this. Um, but at the same time, like when they punch the like bank manager, you know, and like, let it, like, he says, let it bleed, let it bleed. Like, <laughs> like there's yeah. that intensity, like, don't mess with these guys either. Cause they will take you down. Yeah. Um, and, and Ma- Michael Mann had those bags weighted down so that it would feel like, what does $12 million really feel like that you can tell when, you know, when they're tossing these bags, like those are heavy. Those are not, that's not movie money. You know, that's like real stuff in there.
1: Yeah. So I've never robbed a bank, but if Wait, I were what? to rob, a- yeah, I know. Crazy. Right. To think. Um, but, there was something in that scene where they go in and they put the money in the bag, right? And the money's all wrapped up and it's big kind of like blocks of however much money that is. And they throw it in the bag or, or put it in the bag and then they slice the plastic. To loosen it up. It loosens. It's like, what's it, the point?
0: Because it loosens the money up and makes it it's easier to carry than one like solid brick. It can flop around a little bit, and it's just it's literally just easier to throw over your shoulder.
1: See, John's robbed a bank. He
0: I have robbed a number of banks, so this is literally gotcha. <laughs> what I've done. No, <laughs> uh, all right, but yeah, that's. I a was little... just
1: like, I don't understand exactly like what the point. Like if they that's were so... going to just slice it open and just take the plastic out, but they just like. It's like a quick slice on the top, and then he like pounds the bag down a couple times.
0: It's so the weight can to break it up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. But again, that's a little detail that's like brilliant. It makes it real. Like it puts it in real life and not in movie mode. Um.
1: I'm taking notes. So when I rob my first bank and the, the score,
0: the, the score, you know, that's running along that, like is perfectly, like, it's, it's like almost like a, like a heartbeat, you know, it's getting the intensity. Mm. It's like keeping that pace and uh, you know, Sizemore walks out and it's like, Oh, Sizemore made it good. You know, <laughs> like, that's all I care about is Sizemore gets out of this. <laughs> <court>. <laughs> um, yeah. And that, you know, that shot of Val Kilmer walking across with that big smile on his face, like they actually did it. They actually pulled it off. They're standing feet away from the getaway car mm-hmm. and and he catches the cop like right across, like behind, you know, across the street. Like he sees he sees them They're that they're onto them and his immediate switching gears and yeah. just pulls that gun up. And then the shootout, like probably in my mind, this is probably my favorite movie shootout because of the realism that goes, what, 10 minutes, 10 straight minutes, something like that. That, It's a big one. Yeah. That um, they shot it, I think over three weekends in downtown LA where they could really like, it's pretty quiet in downtown LA in the mornings on the weekends. So you could take over that. But, uh, um, and watch the, it's like military precision that, you know, the way they're right. maneuvering and covering each other. And it's like, oh my God. The, the, yeah, yeah.
1: They're, they're like moving in waves and yeah, yeah it's like,
0: absolutely. The police are quantity. Like, yeah, there's way more cops than there are, you know, there's, there's three or four criminals here, but these guys are so good that they're overwhelming the cops. The cops don't stand a chance against this, you know, kind of gunfire. And, Strategy. yeah
1: i mean they're they're like out the cops are outgunned. like the cops may have more people but th- they're carrying like heavy weapons <laughs> until al pacino yeah. shows up and he's got like a belt gun or something i was like what the hell like that machine gun's crazy oh yeah yeah
0: yeah That, one that um yep it's uh yeah it's really like You can tell once Pacino gets there, once Hannah gets there, like he's okay. He's the only like chance of a counterattack because again, like what we've learned along the way is Hannah is also, you know, comes from a military career. So he's Mm going to know that like, he's going to think the same way Macaulay is. So, Mm -hmm. um, and I think I want to say, is it Wes Studi's character that like shoots out, uh, Dennis Haysbert and, and like, because Hazbert's yeah. the getaway driver, and they're in the car, and but he gets shot, and they have to like go on foot. And right. there's there's a shot of Kilmer, the way Kilmer like pull wh- whips the gun up and like spins around. That apparently they actually study in the military. Like this is this guy's an actor, but this is the perfect way to like hold your weapon, carry your weapon, change positions. Um, that, that I guess no. that's an actor doing his job. He's that believable, so no um and you know where they where they split up where where kilmer's character shot and and macaulay's got a he again another choice his character has to make is like do you take the money you've got and run or this is your best friend right does he mean that much to you these you're gonna like try to save him which he does uh so the two of them split from sizemore's character who's kind of left on his own and uh and that's where you get, like, as much as we, you know, talked about how much we, we love Sizemore in this movie, the guy picks up a little kid to use oh, as a yeah. shield. Like, that's a <laughs> reminder, like, he no, nope, he's a bad dude. Yeah, yeah. He's,
1: the, he's the worst kind of people.
0: And but Hannah's no. the one, like, right on his tail. He's, like, running. He doesn't realize it, but he's running directly into Hannah. Like, he's running away from like mm-hmm. a group of cops that are chasing him, but directly into Hannah, who's just waiting there with his, um, yeah. his gun. And I really like the scene in LA takedown as well, uh, which actually matches the script, the original script, uh, perfectly that he can't get the shot with the rifle. So he puts it down and pulls up his pistol
1: mm-hmm. and,
0: um, you know, and takes him down in like somebody's front yard, which kind of mirrors the real Macaulay death. But, uh, mm. And not in that like you know Pacific Design kind of center kind of location. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. um, yeah. And unfortunately, that's the end of our, uh, our Tom Sizemore in, in the film. But uh, yeah. yeah, but great, uh, memorable way to go out for sure.
2: And then sequence? it's it
0: it's really a chase, like a, a really serious. Like the stakes are even higher that De Niro's trying. You know, Macaulay's trying to find his way out the whole rest of the film and. And Nate has gotten him a way out. Like he he's arranged a whole thing for like here's your escape plan. Like the the plane's gonna touch down at LAX for five minutes. You have five minutes to get on and get out, and you're good. And then that's like they say goodbye to each other, and um, you know that's his opportunity to go. But De Niro and Macaulay is torn with that. Like I can't let this slide. Like. Wayne, whoever, you know, I think he knows at this point that it's Wayne Grow. Oh, no, he goes to track down. He realizes that it's Danny Trejo who turned right. on them, And when he goes to confront Trejo, realizes, you know, gets it out of him before he puts him out of his misery that it was Wayne Grow that was the one behind it.
2: Mm-hmm. Van Zandt,
0: right? Wayne Grow working with Van Zant. Yeah. 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 Wayne Finkner. F- Finkner. Yeah.
2: That's right.
0: So. Who, by the way, who loves William Fink? He, like another actor who's been so good for so long. Yeah, yeah.
2: so good to see him here.
0: David, what's your favorite Thinkner?
2: Uh, this one. Good answer.
0: Uh, probably the right answer too, but not <laughs> Armageddon.
2: He's I was wonderful. Say now. he's pretty good in Armageddon. Yeah, he has a gun in space. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah.
0: Uh, but yeah, he's great here, you know, as kind of a, like another guy who doesn't, who's in over his head, like does not know who he's messing with, with Macaulay. He's, he's in case you haven't seen it, like he's the one whose bond bearer bonds are stolen in the beginning of the film and he's trying to get him back uh, and also trying to get revenge for them being stolen in the first place. So, you know, when he connects with Wayne Grow, it's like the two of them have a personal sort of vendetta against Macaulay. But, um, yeah, Macaulay makes the choice to, like, pursue vengeance instead of just straight, like, leaving. And ultimately, that's what his undoing is, that he's opted to go for Van Zant. does it, you know, I guess go for Treo, who's his own guy, success there, goes for Van Zant. successful there. And, you know, Hannah's lost track of him at this point, that macaulay's so good that he's he's slipped all of his tails and and hannah really has has given up on his side that like they literally don't know where he is anymore and hannah goes home or you know goes home to uh uh just throw the towel in and that's where we see his personal life unraveling paralleling with uh Macaulay's that, you know, he walks in, his wife is in the middle of an affair with somebody, and um, uh, (laughs) the scene where Hannah just... The TV is like, that's... You you can have his wife, but you can't have his TV. (laughs) That's
2: right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, so he goes to his hotel and where he finds Natalie Portman's character who's uh, attempted suicide. Sort of... uh, It's interesting that she chose his hotel room to do it in almost like it was a almost like she didn't really want to do it. Like she wanted to be discovered or saved by him.
1: Right.
2: Yeah. She, well, she seemed like she, you know, she was having issues with her mom. Right. So she feels probably closer to him. You know, you don't really see a lot of it of their relationship. No,
0: but you can tell there's, there's a warmth between them.
2: Mm hmm. Yeah, so, you know, he, so, yeah, here's this, he's a cop, he doesn't even see that his, you know, that this girl is going through issues, and, uh, you know, he's seen some terrible, terrible things in his, uh, in his career, but I I didn't, you know, he definitely wasn't expecting that, Uh, yeah, so I'm sure that was sort of a wake-up call to him, as far as, like, where his life is, where his life is heading, really? Yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah, well, and it brings him back to like back to reality and out of this game with Macaulay, and like this is real life, this is happening now, and it needs obviously immediate attention. And yeah. and, and it's a nice moment between him and and Diane Venora's character, and when they're you know at the hot like he, he does, he rescues her. Natalie Portman brings her to the the hospital, and and it's you know just in time and he's in the waiting room with, with Diane Venora and they're just like, like what happened? Like, like we don't hate each other. So what are we doing to each other? And they sort of make peace there and she gives him permission to like, go back and go back on the chase. And that Mm -hmm. shot of him, like running down the stairs, he's like giddy, like a little kid that he's like, mom's letting him out. Mom's letting him go play with his friends, you know? (laughs) And, uh, I don't know, just a great like kind of shot into the mind into the mind of that character and and uh, and the final showdown that that um, you know he tracks down, he realizes where Macaulay's going, and Macaulay's already done it. You know, at this point, Macaulay's in the hotel and he knows where Rain- Grove is, and it's a great scene of how he maneuvers his way up to the hotel room and pulls the fire alarm, and so everyone's evacuating and. And he gets his moment of vengeance. And uh, as he comes out and he's about to, like, he's going to do it. He's going to get his girl and they're going to get away with it. And at that same moment, he sees Hannah, like, you know, in the distance, like coming after him and he knows, like, I gotta, I gotta live by my code and I've got to drop everything and run and break the heart of the person he's finally like let himself uh, open up to. Yeah. Really awful. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, poor Edie, who has no idea. I mean, at this point she's, we jumped over it, but you know, he does tell her what his real life is and she's accepted him and she's going to go with him. And, uh, but she's left again and, and we get the, the chase, the final chase between the two actors. And I remember vividly like the first time watching this scene and really not knowing was what was going to happen. Like I wanted Macaulay to get away, but it felt like how could he? one of them has to go down and, and who's it going to be? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I think it had to end the way that it did. I, I don't think, I don't know. It wouldn't feel as complete if, if he'd have gotten away.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's a beautiful shot, you know, where that like he, uh, Macaulay's gunned down and which is what Hannah said he would do that. If it came down to it, he would do that. He did it. And, but like the mutual respect, you know, they have for each other is still there. And that like connection and that shot, the last shot of the movie of the two of them, like holding hands as Macaulay dies is a spoiler alert that, uh, you know, um, is really kind of perfect. It's the perfect image for this, for this film. And, um, you know, the score score playing over is great. And yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't think McCully would have wanted it any other way either. I think he would have wanted to be taken down by somebody who was like his equal. Yeah. That he looked at as his equal. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. And I just, I remember feeling as the credits come up, like, Oh, like this, like I felt exhausted at the end of this movie, just emotionally, like so into it. And, uh, loved the film on so many levels and watching it this time. I, it was the first time I had felt that way about this movie since like I initially saw it. I hadn't
1: watched this movie in a while. It was kind of nice to see it again. I also felt like it had been such a, a a long duration of time that I kind of got to re-enjoy it. Again, almost like for the first time, I mean, I knew things that were going to happen, but I'd also forgotten a lot of, like, some of the more nuanced and and smaller things that that are done so well.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of little details in this movie that, like, I don't know, I felt really worked.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, It's a good one cinematography by Dante Spinati who is who done you know quite a a number of Michael Mann's films and the score by Elliot Goldenthal with I think a lot of Moby there's a name from the 90s and early 2000s uh Moby doing some music as well (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I love this soundtrack like I uh I remember I had a uh, summer of 98. I had some stuff go on that was not so great in, in my life. And this was a soundtrack I listened to like on repeat. That was just like <laughs> in a dark place. But uh, lo- loved. like it's, it's it's a great it's a great score. Um, yeah. Should we uh, why don't we talk a little box office glory and then we'll talk oh. about what happened after this film. Okay. All right. So Heat has a $60 million budget. I'm sure a percentage of that went to uh, Mr. De Niro and Pacino, as well as Kilmer, uh, commanding top dollar at the time. Oh, I imagine. Uh, yeah. It opens up uh, December 15th, 1995, at number three. Oh. Uh, opening up against Jumanji and the original Jumanji film and Sabrina. Uh, Jumanji was number one that week. Toy Story, uh, as Brent mentioned in the beginning, uh, in week four, stayed at number two. So quite a long run for Toy Story. Uh, Heat comes in at number three. It had an $8.4 million opening weekend. It ends up with a 67.4 domestic uh, run, but $187 worldwide. So whoa. Yeah, definitely does huge internationally. And uh, I think in Japan, it was a huge, huge movie. So um, does really well overall. Uh, but box office wise, number 25 of 1995, it's sandwiched between uh, Outbreak and Waiting to Exhale, two very similar films. <laughs> <laughs> so similar. <laughs> Top top at the box office in 95 was Toy Story, Batman Forever, another Val Kilmer uh, film, and Apollo 13. So, But the interesting thing to me, looking at it, is especially the caliber of people involved in this movie. Do you know how many Oscars it won?
2: It has to be in the dozens.
0: It's a whopping zero. No. Zero Oscars. Hmm yeah uh at a time where you would think like you would think these are th- probably the most uh, oscar caliber people involved and nothing look at this what, what is this
1: yeah nothing yeah, that's man. kind of bananas
0: and, and, and looking at it now what won best picture was braveheart right yeah uh, braveheart braveheart like, definitely
1: won best picture of the year like, that it was nominated
0: right what what has more 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 of a shelf life. There's a lot of problems with Braveheart.
1: I still love Braveheart. Fuck your problems.
0: Whoa. <laughs> no, but I mean, once it got, I you know, there was a whole thing. Like once it got out, that Braveheart was so fictionalized from yeah. the real, you know, character. I think it lost a lot of street cred. Sure. Along uh, with, you know, the Mel make, Gibson issues. We so. make
1: We make movies. Yeah, the Mel Gibson issue, I think right. is probably the bigger one that I... That I have problems with, but like if, if oh, you're dude, gonna you change it so trouble.
0: much, what, yeah, he that? got him.
1: He got himself in some trouble.
0: Yeah, no, okay. Did something happen with Mel? What happened
2: to yeah. poor Mel?
1: Um, too much,
2: like, too much of the woo and the wee. and the yeah. bad attitudes, man. Bad attitudes. <laughs> if
0: if you're gonna change it so much from the real person, it's based on, like, why not just change the make it a fictional character at that point? Yeah, that, then I think that would have. I don't know. Would have probably in the long run helped the movie if it was just you know uh, not William Wallace. It would just use a different name.
1: Yeah, but I mean, maybe. I, I sure. I guess that 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 aspect of it doesn't really bother me that much. Like I think, you know, I mean, how true historically is Spartacus? How true historically? is. Exactly. You
0: know? Exactly what it's a, a Spartacus is actually a documentary.
1: It's a documentary. That's why there's watches like, on their arms. The guy and... just
0: looks like Kirk Douglas.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like, I mean, like we're, movies are meant to embellish. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, like that. I, I that... think it just. I think it just now nowadays it gets called out when when uh, you know it's something that's supposed to be a true story is like way off. Well, from yeah, reality. I, th-
1: I think I think I mean nowadays, yes, I think if people are expecting this is based on a true story to be true then yeah but i mean even nowadays i mean you get movies that say this is based on a true story but they like are very tongue in cheek about it yeah you know but yeah, yeah i think i think factual stuff is is what people are hoping for in in a lot of these cases but also you have to understand it's still movies you know like it's right. got to be entertaining like i don't actually believe that you know I don't know. I just watched a the a movie about how a video game uh got distributed uh in the US and Japan on handheld and gaming consoles. I'm not going to say any names about it. The movie's <laughs> freaking awesome. Ooh. I liked it quite a bit. Found it incredibly entertaining. I do not believe all of the things that that are in there that uh that they use for entertainment were part of the actual like yeah process of getting this game distributed. Well, I
0: I think we're sort of swinging back in a different direction right now, like literally (laughs) right now that like for a long time it was about like, no, we need to tell the real story of what happened. Like, like very exactly. And now maybe it's swinging, like it's a mix. It's okay to do a mix of like, this was real, but parts of this are complete separate storyline that we're making for an entertaining movie so uh, we'll see as it as time goes on
1: yeah by the well, way the movie i'm talking about is pixels so... <laughs>
0: <laughs> the classic pixels
1: <laughs> well Just you know if you haven't seen you, tetris it's pretty good
2: you yeah you can bring it back to you know our, our boy mel you know he he wanted to tell historical stories so you know he Want to tell the story of Jesus, you know, the passion of the Christ, you know, he, he wanted to tell it. We don't know how much of that is based on a true story. You know, I don't know. We don't know what's real. So, you know, it's, uh, you just want, but you, but you want to tell good stories either way
0: every I mean, movie that mel gibson did was uh, based on a real story like conspiracy theory and ransom and you know yeah, but maverick he didn't direct,
1: he didn't direct those I, I, <laughs> I mean he did he did direct braveheart man without a face yeah apocalypto and uh passion of the christ right yeah. like, i think sure he's did. probably done some other ones but yeah. i
2: saw ridge as well oh did he direct that he did he did yes yeah. With a wonder how... eighty-three pound Andrew Garfield playing a soldier,
1: <laughs> yeah, carrying with... people down a mountain like yeah. a cliff, not even a mountain, like yeah. straight up down a cliff.
0: <laughs> but I Probably. think when you look back at it, Heat has more of a shelf life than some of the top movies of of that year. than especially mean, Heat, than it had at the time.
1: Heat definitely should have gotten more cred when it came out. Like, yeah, I, like I, sure. I, I, I was a huge ha- fan of Braveheart, but like.
0: Pete is
1: phenomenal. Like, how should've... did
0: both Pacino I mean I think the simple answer is they canceled each other out, but probably. But looking back at it, how did neither of them get a best actor nomination? How did Michael Mann not get even it?
1: nominated? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Not even nominated. Like this was not in the top five of acting performances of the year. Are you crazy? Who won
1: <laughs> who won that year?
0: Oh uh, god. It, it. It, lo- it wasn't Mel Gibson.
2: So Nicholas Cage really leaving Las Vegas. Leaving Las, mm. that's right. Leaving Las he, Vegas. Also, he, also very
0: good performance. Okay. Yeah, I can't can't knock on who, that, David. Uh, since you're looking at who who are the other uh, Best Actor nominees? He he beat out Richard
2: Dreyfuss for Mr. Holland's Open. Yeah, right buddy. There. Stop yeah. right there. <laughs>
0: stop right there. I don't Dickie even Dreyfuss, need to hear the rest. Right this there. This is insane. Okay, go ahead.
2: <laughs> that's
1: bananas. But hey, good for Dick.
2: Anthony Hopkins for Nixon, Sean Penn for Dead Man Walking, and mm. Massimo Troisi for The Postman.
0: The Postman, yeah. The um, The
2: Postman Il, Poste,
0: Il, Il Postino. Il Postino. Oh, I thought it was like. And he, I think he died Kevin... after it came out. So I think it was, it was
1: like... Kevin. I thought it was Kevin Costner's The Postman.
0: <laughs> I was like, who got nominated? What now? That was ninety eight, I think. But uh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I still. Yeah, because
1: ninety-five is sorry. I mean, going back, ninety-five is when Waterworld released.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So Costner was busy that year, but busy. Um, I don't know about that. So that's a very arguable list to exclude. Yeah, Pacino, but also De Niro for not only one but two great performances that year. So uh with Casino and Heat.
1: Yeah. That's kind of crazy. What other movies got nominated for? Are we still on that page? Did we shut that down? Is that no, still I have it open live? What movies got nominated for Best Picture?
2: For be, oh, Best Picture? Uh, I mean, I Heart, know Apollo
1: 13.
0: I know Braveheart 13.
2: Heart. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Best Picture, Braveheart, <laughs> Apollo 13, Babe. Il oh Posti- my God. Il Postino and Sense and Sensibility.
0: I again looking at the Babe shelf life. over fucking.
1: Oh. Oh, yeah. guys! This is why. This is why. Now that I'm older and wiser, I don't even watch the Academy Awards anymore. Unless somebody's getting punched on stage, like I'm not even going to turn it. Right? On. Who needs it?
0: But you know, looking back at Heat, like it's got two hugely influential scenes, but with the diner scene and the, you know, the uh, the robbery, the bank robbery downtown, and the shootout right. that. Influ- like super influential to our generation and you know christopher nolan with the dark knight I just completely admitted like it was very influenced you know by heat uh michael bay's ambulance which i mentioned earlier but grand theft auto was it was you know oh, very cool. much based off of that um you know and, and a lot of directors just in, in in putting their action scenes together and Uh, you know, he has become a model for that. Uh, Many of these actors, it's their greatest performance or one of, you know, one of their top two or three greatest performances. Um, Michael Mann, where do you guys, so we talked about where I stand on it. Where are you guys on this one with Michael Mann?
1: As far as best movie and whatnot?
0: Or favorite, you know, whatever, however you want to categorize it. Is it, uh, is it up there or is there, what, what's ahead of it? Uh, From what you've seen.
1: Uh, what's ahead of it? Mm, I don't know. I mean, this might be my favorite, but I like Collateral an awful lot. Um, well, collateral's um, great, right? <laughs> yeah, I, like I, d- I do like Collateral a lot. I really like Collateral. Um, I uh, like Last Mohicans. I, I understand that it's probably not... It's insensitive in 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 ways I'm sure, but I like it a lot. Um, Manhunter is great. Like those are probably my top four.
0: And we will. Uh, Manhunter is a whole episode we're going to come back to uh, down the road. So yeah,
1: I guess I like the Insider as well, but only. uh, But but I I in particular I like that one because um I did a documentary when you're. When I was interning in LA, and it was called Secrets to the Smoke, which I don't know that it actually ever released, but it was with Jeffrey Weigand, who the insider is based on. And like, I basically was just a young kid who smoked a lot of cigarettes at the time. And for a day, like, I just got to sit with Jeffrey Weigand, and he would like tell me why smoking's not good. And literally, the day that I worked with him, I like quit smoking. It's like I'm not. Whoa, gonna, really? Yeah, wow. absolutely. So, um, wow. So that was a pretty cool, just experience, like working yeah. with the guy that the movie is based on. But yeah,
0: inside the insider is great. It's uh, it's I think one of Michael Mann's most solid overall movies that. Like, I, I like Public Enemies, but there's, you know, I think it, it is up and down at parts, and yeah. not everybody loves that movie, but uh, The Insider is really solid.
1: I remember being disappointed with Public Enemies. It wasn't as good as I was hoping as it was going to be, I think, is where I left. Yeah, on
0: I, I liked it more on multiple viewings. It, it kind of okay. got better, but... Uh... Yeah, I I am looking forward to uh, when we come back around a Manhunter. There's a lot to talk about there, and and it's my uh, my favorite of all the Hannibal Lecter related films. Um, yeah. Yep. Uh, very different from Silence of the Lambs, which everyone else loves. But
2: uh... stories from the set of Public Enemies. Anyone want to hear one or two? Yeah, go for it. Yep. Yeah. They filmed in Chicago mostly. Mm-hmm. Um. And they filmed it at the actual theater that Al Capone was gunned down in and Correct. all that stuff. And uh, uh Dillinger, um, you mean Dillinger, or Dillinger. Yep. Capone. What the fuck? and <laughs> uh and uh what do you call it? But like there was uh Christian Bale was in the movie, he was very nice to uh, to a lot of people and he would run across to the Starbucks across Lincoln Avenue but he would ask a bunch of crew and, and other actors and like, Hey, what do you guys want? What do you guys want to buy and go across? And was, uh, that would happen occasionally. Uh, so by all reports back, uh, back then, uh, Christian Bell, nice guy. That's awesome. Okay. Wonderful. Um, and then, but supposedly, supposedly there was a time Michael Mann was having a serious conversation with someone from, I believe it's Sony, maybe think made public enemies. I don't know. Uh, or, and it was overheard that someone was telling michael mann that from the studio uh this is absolutely not a michael mann film this is a johnny depp film and it shut him down
0: <laughs>
2: could be apocryphal could have happened could be embellished could be made up but that's what i heard Every, that's rough. And that's your much Michael Munchak Mann gossip.
0: film is a Michael Mann film. That's no, for sure. That, that yeah. you know it, it's his films are as distinct as Tarantino's or or Spielberg's or Scorsese's. They I don't
2: think that's what they were saying.
0: No, yeah. I, <laughs> I know what they meant, but uh <laughs> yeah, like who's going to bring people in the theaters? It's Johnny Depp. Yeah. Yeah. We care Well, about I mean, especially
1: power. especially at this time, right? Yeah, like back Johnny back, Depp was yeah. like the biggest shit yeah, on he's, on film at the time. Yeah. He was.
0: He's only yeah. I think three pirates movies deep at this point. So, three pirates deep. <laughs> well, it
1: was the it was the third one that really started to turn people off on him.
0: I feel like. Yeah. So,
1: so maybe his is he put on a lot of other, to tarnish.
0: Might, he maybe him. he's only two in at this point. But he had yeah, other, then, yeah, He's still he's yeah. still top
2: dog. Yeah, he had lots of movies with wigs and and
0: a lot of makeup, and, a lot of wigs, makeups
2: and yeah. outfits and stuff. So. You know, but, hey,
0: uh, yeah, um, yeah. So I don't know other, but overall, Heat is right there up at the top and uh, one of one of his uh, greatest films for sure, and and certainly one of his most epic. Um, there is now. Uh, I own it. Probably many people listening to this own it. I have not read it yet, but Heat two the novel was released written by Michael Mann uh, I believe last year it came out and yeah. it is both a sequel and a prequel to uh, the film in that we see you know some of our characters leading you know what their life was like prior to the story of the film but also picking up, like moments after the film concludes so we we follow val kilmer's character we follow vincent hannah like what happens to those characters as they go into their next chapter so it's <laughs> uh it's i I'm, I'm i just haven't had the time to read it i'm really excited to i am trying to keep my expectations low but uh supposedly it is being developed into uh one of michael Mann's next projects so i have no idea how he's going to do that uh, with the time gap of 30, you know, 30 years. Uh, so
2: you just recast and say, this is who they were. So I think Timoth- we all
0: learned from the Irishman. We should just uh, make everyone digitally younger.
2: Yeah. Or you get someone younger and dig- <laughs> digital them up like Timothy yep. Chalamet. Yeah. Can be aged up to look like Pacino 30 years later.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: You'll have the energy of a Timothy Chalamet.
0: (laughs) So let's see. Let's see if that comes to fruition. But um, if if you're a fan of the movie, I feel like you kind of have to get the book out of curiosity and see what... what... It's not like it's a ghost writer or someone else uh, doing it. It, It's Michael Mann. So if you're curious uh, to see more about these characters, definitely pick that up. You read it? You didn't read it? I did not read it yet. I own it, but I've not read it. It's canon now. It is true. Um <laughs> yeah. we would see a couple of other uh De Niro, De Niro and Pacino team-ups with uh righteous kill uh is a movie that happened. Um
1: so what do you 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 talk about it like it's not the the greatest thing to happen since Heat.
0: It uh I don't think and i don't know how many people would argue with me that it's worthy of the caliber of those actors you know Ooh. as those guys entered the 2000s and especially the, the later 2000s it's you know it, it it happens with a lot of very very you know a list actors that as they get older they start to be themselves in this situation that it's it's (laughs) harder to play a character and you're Al Pacino in this situation and you're Robert De Niro in this situation Jack Nicholson you know is another one of those guys that you stop it's getting harder to see the characters that they're playing and you're just seeing the actor so um, you know it was uh, it just was not not a great movie Um, and then we would see them again team up in the Irishman which is I think you see people who love the Irishman and people who had a hard time with it. I had a hard time with it. Um, hmm. A lot of that had to do with the, the digitally you know, de-aging of them and hmm. finding that very distracting and, and uh, took me kind of out of the movie. So, um, you know, not story-wise, but um, just visually was like really hard to get into. But uh, um, But really good, especially from Pacino. I felt like really good performance in that one.
1: Yeah, I like that one.
0: Um, So we've seen at least three team-ups. Godfather 2, obviously they're both in, but not together. Um, And then coming back around, why we kind of came to this movie in the first place was looking back at Tom Sizemore. And, uh, uh, you know, rest in peace, Tom. This is... uh, His character was really another fascinating character that, like, Li- you really like him, <laughs> you know, as it gets into it, that last moment we, we brought it up earlier of like picking up the little kid reminds you like, nope, bad, bad dude. This is a bad guy, but uh, great performance, really intense. Um, I think the who knows if, if Tom was would have been able to kind of keep his his life you know together uh where he could have gone I, I think he really could have had a huge career as a major major like leading actor uh but it just it didn't go that way for him and uh, but we always have we have this we have a lot of other great uh Sizemore performances we can we can look back at and uh, separating the actor in his personal life versus uh the characters that they played in their performances um so yeah so That was why we came to Heat. And I loved watching it. uh, Glad we did. Yeah. Yeah. Really glad we did it. Uh, it's a movie that was huge and I loved for so long and then was kind of down on it. And then coming back, it's like some of the other films we looked at. It was like really good to see it again. And it's like an old friend you haven't seen in a while, but. (laughs) Yes. Um, yeah. So, uh,. Any other final thoughts, guys, on uh, on Heat?
1: Stay away from drugs, kids. Yeah, stay
2: in school.
0: Don't do no, drugs.
2: No crimes. Yeah. No, stop committing crimes.
0: Just say no. And by the way, uh, that leads me to uh, a quick plug and thank you to some of our friends. E.K. Wimmer. That you should on- say yes to. Say yes to these guys <laughs> say and yes no to drugs. To- E.K. Wimmer, our, our buddy, who, uh, thank you for the theme song, and his podcast, Laser Graves, just covered... He looked back at the Just Say No campaign uh, and the Nancy Reagan campaign. So uh, check out his podcast, uh, Looking Back at the Phenomenon that was the Just Say No uh, campaign.
1: Full circle. Well done, John. Yeah. (laughs) yeah.
0: And uh, thank you to Curtis Moore, our other buddy, for the the poster this episode. You can check us out. We're on social media at Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Check out our archives at reconcinimation.com. Drop us a five star rating and review. It always helps boost the show and get some more ears on it. And, uh, we're looking, you know, we look back at Tom Sizemore. There's a couple of other Tom Sizemore movies down the road, and uh, we've got an exciting lineup as we get into the deeper part of the spring and the summer's heading our way. We've got some fun movies uh, lined up, and it's going to be uh, a, a good time coming up. So check us out on the next episode of Reconcinemation. Take care. Bye now. Meet L.A.'s finest. Employee of your socks. He works overtime on crime, leaving room for little else.
1: What happens out here is my whole world.
0: Now he's caught between a woman who wants him.
1: What is our life together, pit stop?
0: the man he wants to take down. You do what you do best, try to stop
1: guys like me. For the first time anywhere, L.A. Takedown, Sunday.